0: (laughs) Hey, welcome to the Circus of, I mean, the Backlog Breakdown. (laughs) I'm your host, Josh, and here with me today, um, I've got my wonderful co-host, Mr. Nate McKeever, and we also have a special guest with
1: us. Say hi, Hello. Would you kindly introduce yourself? Oh, man, I don't know
0: how I missed that.
2: Micah Ellison Hendrick.
0: Oh, that is an (laughs) awesome middle name. Thank you. That's what my son's
2: name is as well. Ellison. Ellison. I love it. I
0: got, that's funny. It worked worked backwards with my dad. His first name is my middle name. Okay. So that's kind of funny. Hey, that's
1: Actually, that's the same with me. My dad's first name is my middle name. Wow. Nice. Your middle name isn't underscore, or is your dad's name underscore? (laughs) It's underscore. It's okay. Nathaniel <laughs> underscore McKeever. <laughs> On Twitter. <laughs> Don't try But, that but only but only when I'm in trouble. <laughs> Get over here,
3: underscore. Nathaniel
1: <laughs> underscore McKeever. That's enough. <laughs> when your father
0: underscore gets home, you're done. <laughs> He's gonna underscore your underside.
1: <laughs> oof. All oof. right, oof. Did you guys? Did, I, yeah, I know mm-hmm. this is like a weird sort of aside, but did you guys ever hear that? I'm sure you did. When your father gets home, or when your dad gets home, like, yeah,
0: yeah. If 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 I didn't specifically I hear it, I know it was like it was like common parlance, so I understood what it meant. I mean, like, I am of the era when we definitely got spankings with different instruments, whether it was a belt. Or a wooden spoon. My my dad has broken wooden spoons on some of us kids before. Uh, or uh, what is it? A cutting board. There's that time too. So. Oh my. Yeah.
1: It, yeah. I feel like- We're mischievous kids. I, I kind of almost wanted to sort of like go down this rabbit trail a little bit. <laughs> what, what is the weirdest I'd thing you ever not. got spanked with? I got no, spanked with a I'm piece of kidding. trim one time. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like my dad had some like old pine trim. And mm-hmm. he was just like, go get a piece of trim. Yeah. And it's. I'll bet that would sting. I it sounds did like did not would sting. feel great. I mean, that's the point of the spanking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is yeah. They're not meant to be enjoyable. <laughs> right. <laughs> my mom broke a wooden spoon over my butt mm-hmm. at least once. Maybe, maybe more. I, I, I mean, I don't know if this comes out across on the podcast, but I was a little <laughs> bit of a contrarian. Uh, ah, I don't know. Like I, I was a little bit, uh, stubborn. And, uh, 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 not, I don't, not super obedient
2: I, I don't remember different instruments being used really but I do remember this one case when I was getting really kind of older and kind of maybe too old to spank or whatever and I mm-hmm. put a book, like a a smallish book in my pants. And somehow my mom didn't notice that it was in there, so it absorbed the shock. And so she, I got one spanking and I just burst out laughing and she told me to get out of there. She was so irritated. So I was like, all right, see ya. Dang. (laughs) Uh, Well played.
1: Uh, (laughs) Well played. I don't know if you guys had like a definitive moment. Because like I grew up getting spanked. And then there was just like a point, and I I was maybe like 13, 14, like I was getting taller, getting bigger. And my mom went to go like whack me and I just grabbed her arm and I said, no. And then it was like very much a wait till your dad gets home. (laughs) And it was like, it was like after that, I mean, I I think that was the last time I ever got like spanked or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it was like- Mm. He was you know he was different untappy. tactics were needed <laughs> <laughs> he,
2: yeah.
1: it was like he was like uh they they came to recognize that that just wasn't gonna work with me anymore mm-hmm. but uh yeah, not not my best play I'm just saying like not not yeah. like yeah you know, in in moments where it's like you know if there's a highlight reel not making that no mm-hmm. that no. Not making that cut, like yeah. that. not not playing the long
0: game. There, you were no, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. No, I I was homeschooled, so there were other. By the time I got older, I I don't remember any like specific time of like I'm too old to spank kind of a thing. But by the time that we were older, there were other ways to easily like uh to to punish us, you know, to mm-hmm. to discipline us. I guess is probably better. Absolutely, than, you know, because we were home all the time. Same. And, homework is a thing so
1: i mean grounding (laughs) like really it's not like growing up i didn't go out a ton anyways so it's like when i got grounded i was just like so i'm gonna stay home like i do anyways
2: like now it's like
1: no nintendo for two weeks Ah!" (laughs)
2: that's what i had man no tv no nintendo whatever the case Yeah. yeah yeah Even when I had a Sega Genesis, it was no Nintendo. Of course. <laughs> it was always, <laughs> so because well,
1: so it's, like, yes. it's it was always, it was just Nintendo. Did you ever yeah. like try to like, I, now that I'm, I'm, I'm a little curious there, Micah, did you ever be like, I'm not playing Nintendo, I'm playing Sega?
0: <laughs>
2: well, yeah, I don't think I was really smart enough to do that to try to pull that. <laughs> that because the a, she highlight would just, reel
0: of your best moments. <laughs> yeah, she would she would
2: give me the flat face, you know, the emo- the, the you know, flat face emoji. Mm-hmm. Um, she would give me that look, and then yeah, maybe yeah. maybe make it worse. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, you're I'll- saying you had
0: a conscience. Clearly you understood what they were saying. (laughs) Sounds like he
2: he was at least a marginally better child (laughs) than I I was. I had the benefit, maybe like you, Josh, to look at my two older brothers and like look at all the mistakes (laughs) that they made, like, okay, don't do that. And don't do that. That I'll go here and be quiet and not be seen. See, I I was the (laughs) oldest, so I was the
1: one where they were like, just don't do anything that Nate did. (laughs) <laughs> That's funny. We could go down the
0: road of, like, I, I don't know, any all of that fun stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. It, being one of five, I was the second oldest. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because, like, so my older brother is definitely more of, like, the typical, like, firstborn where he was more of the rule follower and, like, he was the one who, like, rolled his eyes at the rest of us kids. Like, why can't you just, <laughs> like... Do get it together. Yeah, exact exactly. (laughs) And like felt that burden that I didn't realize until we were older of just like, you know, bearing, you know, like like our family has to be, you know, we're broccolos, and so we need to be, you know, this certain way. And and so I was the more (laughs) rebellious, but I was also more like devious about it. Like I wouldn't openly rebel. It was much Mm -hmm. more of just like, okay, I'll say it. I'll say it this way in front of you guys, but then as soon as I leave, like it's a totally different story kind of a thing uh, to, to where, like, I didn't feel that. Uh, I, I remember my older brother, like explaining, like he felt like he had to, you know, take care of the rest of us in some, in some way, like make sure we were doing right in some way. <laughs> oh. And I was like, Oh, I never felt that for any. Of us. <laughs>
1: Anyways. Hmm.
0: Fun conversations.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah, welcome to the backlog breakdown. Our uh, mm-hmm. psych- our mm-hmm. child psychology and childhood trauma mm-hmm. uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. This it's definitely
4: uh, you
0: know th- if, if there's anything to take away, it's that uh, a man chooses and a slave obeys. Ooh, so there's ooh, that. Yes. I don't know how that applies at all, but well, I just thought a it man chooses
1: and a slave obeys. <laughs> <Right>, exactly. <laughs> That'll make sense similar. later on. Or if you haven't, if you haven't played Bioshock, you should probably stop listening because we're probably going to make a lot of references to Bioshock and the story beats there. I I, I guess we haven't talked about this. There will be spoilers. Yes. 100%. Sure. I mean, the game's like 13 years old at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's fair game folks. So, Mm -hmm. but it's a teenager. It, oh, it is, man. It's uh, yeah. three years away from being able to drive. That's mm-hmm. terrifying. Yeah. Makes me feel you don't real want old. a big daddy behind the
2: wheel.
0: That's weird. Ooh, mm. big daddies would Africa be terrible is.
2: drivers. Terrible drivers. He <laughs> couldn't stick his arm out the window. That big old drill would be hard to, <laughs> to to flick you off and rotate. Oh, dude, <laughs> you just
1: see the drill arm come out like you yeah. cut cut a guy off. You see the drill arm come out the window. You're done. Yeah, just like <laughs>
0: this is. I could see this. This is Nick, uh, This is Nate's next doodle. It's like a car. I, I'm seeing it like, you know how Mr. Incredible and in the Incredibles, he's in that car that like fits right around him because he's so big with just like a, a drill arm coming out the window. <laughs> really the irritated Big
2: Daddy.
1: It like, it like, can you imagine seeing that? in like your rear view mirror is like, you just like, you, you cut a guy off, you like rip around him, and you just see this giant drill arm come out and like, Oh, that's- and then
0: like a proximity mine fly in front of your car.
1: Anyways, anyways, <laughs> this is a whole, this is, <laughs> what are we doing? Getting, yes, getting exactly. Off the rails immediately. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yes. Fan-tastic. Multiple tastic. I love it. Well, so- uh, how are you guys doing? I mean, mm-hmm. Josh, it, it, I know it's it's been a whole two weeks, a whole fortnight. Mm-hmm. But Micah, it's been a while since you've been on the mics with us. How have yeah, you what been, was the last man? time like, I don't even like, know. Was it Shadow?
0: Was it Shadow? Maybe. Was it yeah, Shadow? I guess so. Oh man, it was a while ago. No, no, it was. W- you did Metal Gear Solid after that, right? Yeah, that, I did. a I did a bite. That size. Was, I've that done was some a bite size. size stuff, that was just a bite. But yeah, yeah, I
2: don't know if I've been on the show proper. But yeah. either way, I've been doing. You know. The same thing that everyone's doing, man. (laughs) Working from, well, not everyone's working from home. Uh, I was going to say, I never work from home. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I had to bite my tongue immediately. It's like, oh, wait, (laughs) I'm talking to Nate. Um, But yeah, you know, just holding it down at home. Uh, Like we were saying pre-show, March 17th, I've been working from home. No signs of going back into the office. Um, Wow. But yeah, uh, life is good. We homeschool our three kids, and that somehow works with me, you know, in the, you know, doing everything that I need to do. Been some, yeah, you know, some ups and downs lately with like just COVID junk. We had our, um, our old pastor that uh, my wife and I grew up with from like birth till early for me, at least from birth till like I went to college, actually just passed away wow. this last week from, uh, from COVID-19. Mm. And so that was kind of a big shock and um, mm. kind of really kind of hit us hard and everything. So kind of uh recovering from that but outside of that um the the lord is good and um uh, he was good in the in the life of that pastor um andy Merritt, is his name but yeah doing 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 good man how about you guys oh i'm i'm great i'm great um
0: so this i i did finish up my last class and so i had a week in between classes and um so i i actually got a bunch of game time in which was nice and uh it's yeah It's it's just been good between that and then uh, I I, I've talked about it on previous episodes like our church is starting to meet again on on Sundays in our courtyard Um, and it's a lot of work because hauling everything out into the courtyard and then setting up you know sound system and video stuff and all that fun stuff and then tearing it down afterwards it's a lot of work but it's just so good to be together Mm. and it's 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 a real cool just atmosphere so you know because everyone's just loving gathering again so it's yeah yeah, it's great it's great those are the two like kind of big things that just pop into my head outside that family's doing great
1: we're good you
0: you were you you were
1: mentioning yeah before we Mm -hmm. like started recording the episode proper that you're you're at that point where it's just like to you there has never not been three children like it's it's there there are always three now and it's Mm -hmm. like yeah I, i i i feel like that's probably like a major turning point psychologically, like emotionally, where you're just like, okay, like, you know, I'm sort of like weathered enough in this, this sort of trauma uh, that I can just sort of persevere now. Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. To, not to say I mean, that like kids, uh, like kids are a blessing and you you know, mm-hmm. but it's like. I, I, I guess I've just seen it several times where people are like, oh, it's like when you have two, okay, it's like, you know, you can sort of like divide and conquer. As soon as it's like, like the third one comes in, it's like all of a sudden just the, the family dynamic just goes choo, like, mm-hmm. you know, family dynamic goes boink um, Yeah. to, to well, borrow. T-
0: yeah, two was just such a shock for us in, in that she is so much more strong willed. Than our first, and so like that. that no, was No, so, Josie, <laughs> Josie's not. <laughs> I love her to death. Um, but yeah, so so that was that was very different going from like more of a mild mannered child to like a very strong willed child, and so this number three is another chill one so far so we'll see what happens down the road like when she starts talking all bets are off right exactly (laughs) yeah exactly and then being kind of the baby and having more distance between her and her older two siblings you know like i you know i hope she doesn't get spoiled and it'll probably happen to some extent but you know so there. i don't know there'll be a nice little concoction of issues that will you know inject into her just because we're sinful. Yeah.
1: But that's how it goes. Yeah. Uh anyways, I'm doing like we're doing okay. We're kind of mm-hmm. like I don't know my, how much I've talked about it on the podcast proper, but the sort of pursuing the whole fertility stuff has just been it it takes a lot out of us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it's just that that's been hard. And there's been some stuff, and I was I was telling Micah I th- I think, you know, before we started recording, just like Walking through some of that process there's a lot of things that i haven't addressed or thought through um and like part of it is just like you know and i'm i'm not i'm grateful to be able to work um but they're really like like with with covid and everything and all the restrictions and and just like life has just sort of like just like just maintain this sort of like <sighs> oppressive isn't the right word but it just like the the pace of it has just it just doesn't feel like it just feels like ever since like march came like i'm just kind of like i just haven't ever felt like i've been able to sort of like catch my breath Mm -hmm. um and, and it was funny i was listening to one of the latest episodes of colin's last stand from uh uh colin moriarty and they you know he briefly touched on sort of like the crunch thing and like it was like mm. he was answering sort of a mailbag request, and I I would be sort of interested in hearing your guys' take on this real quick. I mean, Micah, you're probably a little more aware of this. I, d- I don't know if Josh really keeps up yeah. with current events and games, but like there's the whole thing with the Witcher developer, uh, the CD Project Red, and there was like and there's like Jason Schreier, fr- formerly of Kotaku, now with uh, Bloomberg. Thanks. Bloomberg Bloomberg. Yeah. There we go. Whatever. Some big, but he's, he made this story about how like they're having crunch and like, dude, I'm just going to say as somebody who has not only like, I have a very, like I'm in the elements all day long. So if it's nice, I have a nice day. If it's like today, it rained most of the day. That's not fun. Like that is hard. And it's like, I don't, for me it is very hard to be sympathetic with these developers and I'm not saying that the work isn't hard, but it's like, it's a desk job. Uh, you're actually getting to make video games, which is probably like the coolest thing in the world in a lot of ways. And it's like, man, I have to crunch. And I'm like, I'm like, Oh, boo hoo. Like, like, you, you know, and it's like a lot of them are probably, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like temper all of that. Like I was listening to some of this, Mm. but it's like, like a lot of these people are able to work from home or they're able to work in some sort of, they're not forced to expose themselves, you know? And, and that's, we're not even talking about like how severe are the, is COVID-19 or anything like, but they're, they've been able to sort of like isolate. They've been able to quarantine. They've been able like, and now it's like, well, you're going to have to work some mandatory overtime. And it's like, it's this big stink. And I'm just going like, yeah, I'm just like, oh, knock it off. Like how out of touch, like my, just my, and I guess I'll, and I'll finish with this thought. I just want to look at like anybody who legitimately wants to complain about crunch and be like, go get a real job. Like go work a real job. Shut up. Zero sympathy.
2: The the part about Jason Schreier's reporting in in particular, and he is. 90% of the driver of why this is even a conversation in gaming news and culture and stuff is that he's giving voice to less than 5% of a development house Mm -hmm. and making it sound like that's how it is. You know, he's talking to disgruntled employees or ex employees in that sort of thing. If you talk to ninety percent of the employees that are there, they're very happy with what they're doing. They're on board, yada yada yada. You know, no complaints, that kind of thing. Even Um, the CD Project Red stuff, like I was looking at it, like with the projected
1: earnings from that game, like the the way that they're going, like they're going to assign bonuses. Those people are going to be extremely well. Like they're going, to, they're going to be compensated very handsomely. Like, yeah, okay,
2: very, like very the, handsomely. Like, yeah, like a, a, a the way I understand it is like even an average like you know animator or something is poised to get like a forty to sixty thousand dollar bonus. You know, once Ooh. once things come in this basically. and this is so. in an Eastern European economy. Yeah, <laughs> this sure, is right. not sure. like yeah, a, right. in which these people already are probably in the I won't say one percent top safely top 10, probably top 5% of income in like, okay. the region or the area. you know. Yeah. So, you know, good jobs already. And yeah, they're poised to make a lot of money, specifically with the CD Project Red stuff. So, there are other instances probably that are more egregious, like, mm-hmm. say, at Naughty Dog, probably. I bet mm-hmm. they're... It, and, and and Rockstar, with, with Red Dead Redemption 2. Those guys probably do some hardcore crunching, I bet. Mm-hmm. Um, the CD Project Red stuff just seemed like yeah they got like a, a week or three here at the tail end you know any prod if you if you have ever developed coded did anything you know like with with software or anything like that in that realm you you know that stuff just it, it takes time to coalesce and come together and once things start sort of fitting you realize oh this isn't working got to redo this and, and it's just there's a lot of work it's very complicated and mm-hmm. nobody can predict some of the things that's going to happen at the eleventh hour. So, you know, when there's a lot of money, millions and millions of dollars for some of these games like The Witcher or, you know, uh Cyberpunk in this case, yeah, no, they're not skipping it till 2021. They're they're hitting the November date that they said, you know, so like get the job done, you know? Like that there there's, you know, there's uh project managers and stuff for that kind of thing and you know, like when you know and you've already moved it a couple of times already. When you know when the data, I mean, just you, you gotta you gotta trim things. You gotta know when to cut. That's just how development is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't want to sound insensitive or like I know all there is to know about that kind of life and stuff because I don't. But um, yeah. I just think you know Schreier and those guys. They just they're just giving voice to a very very small crowd, and it's usually just a disgruntled crowd. And he certainly has an agenda to push, and he's trying to push it.
1: Yeah. And
2: it's really it's overblown. He's, he's been labeled an activist journalist and
1: I I, like his, his, just the way he covers things like, and which is really unfortunate because I think for a while he was really one of like the better journalists in gaming media. And, and there's just somewhere where he just, and, and I, I don't think it was just like, it came out of nowhere, but there just came a point where it's like, some of this stuff is just big fat nothing burger nonsense. That it's really meant to sort of push the leftist agenda forward, but that's wait at Kotaku. Sorry, well, uh, games anyways, media um, in general, dude, is just like it's I, yeah super yeah. duper woke.
0: So, so i I haven't kept. A, I know that there has been a, a stink about it recently, but I haven't kept up with like what the the CD Project Red stuff is. My understanding is that the the industry in general tends towards hiring on a bunch of people for like huge projects, uh, like basically temporary workers, animators, Contra- things like, like that. It's contract, yes, work. yeah, yep. contracted workers, mm-hmm. and then and obviously like lets them go after the project is finished, kind of a thing. Yeah. And that's that's my understanding of where like this idea of like disgruntled employees comes from is like those people. Who are not promised a future um, are required to like be constantly working. Now that might not be the case in this in this specific instance. So I'm I'm asking like is that does that have anything to do with it um, with with this CD Project Red thing or is, it, is it, I, I don't think in I mean, this specific situation, making, but the, what okay. you
2: just outlined does happen. And I would say that contractors are uh, taking advantage of, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the fact that they're, you know, 24 years old and have no family in the region or whatever and just no mm-hmm. life, quote unquote, and they really want to do that and devoted. They they right. pray on that, you know, um, yeah. and whereas totally. you have someone like any of the three of us who are who, you know, have a, have a, have a wife and kids or whatever they want to go home to. And, and it's like and they try to it's like that. Potentially might be frowned upon, whereas you know, yeah, old, uh Joe and Mike over there just pounding away, coding out, working eighteen-hour days, and you gotta you gotta leave at eight p.m. What are you talking about, man? You know, so like that sort of yeah. Um,
0: mentality. I uh, yeah, I can't, I, can't think, I can't think of the word.
2: I'm, uh, I'm peer pressure. Anyway. There's, there's peer pressure. Thank you. Yes. Peer pressure. That's where yeah. peer pressure is is real. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's not to be ignored. But you know, I think you know all that sort of stuff can be managed in-house and i think more yeah. and more developers are opening their eyes to that and seeing like we, we really need to kind of take care of our own internal business and that sort of thing
1: i think mm-hmm. one yeah. of the things though that does sort of stand out about the cd project red issue is just that they kind of made a big deal about like we're going to move into a crunch free sort of model we're not going to crunch mm-hmm. anymore there's zero crunch yeah and then it's like it's like, hey, I know we said that we're not gonna do this thing anymore, <laughs> except for the big except game for this time we're gonna do it this time <laughs> yeah. i and honestly, yeah. to me though, and it's like and and I know that not everybody has this luxury, but it is this is like c d project red where and I think too like the 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 point does stand that like they don't really they have to get it out when when they said they did just because. Uh, it's for, already been pushed back like what, three times? Two yeah. or three times. At this point. And yeah. it's also like, you can't go really too much farther back without missing a lot of the holiday window. Like, yeah. and so yeah. there's that. But at the same time, I really think that a lot of this is, I think honestly what needs to happen is- studios need to just say hey it'll be and and not everybody is afforded this luxury so i understand it but studios development studios need to just say it'll be ready when it's ready mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and i know that you can't and and i'm i'm actually in favor of setting deadlines i think when we don't have to work under constraint or with obstruction or like like it it actually provides a lower quality work when there isn't some sort of mm-hmm. expectation or deadline uh, and that forces people to sort of like push
2: yeah but so many publishers are picking up on that and doing that here lately where you're getting you're learning about a game and then it coming out within a matter of months potentially or even weeks potentially. so you know I think publishers are picking up on that you can look at something like I know it was in early access but um, Hades you guys have been mm. talking about Hades you've been playing mm. the out of it and oh, I have mm. been waiting and waiting it. and waiting on that actual release date. And mm. um, that on that, whatever, that Nindy's Direct or whatever, they just boom, it's out like what, next week or something like that. And it's like, oh, oh okay, cool. You know, that's a great example. I, I think Sony <laughs> is learning their, their lesson. They, you look at um, Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us this year, they waited a long time to announce those dates. Once Last of Us got pushed for the second time or whatever it was, they are like, no, we're not going to, we're actually going to wait like a month or two out before we say something. And um, yeah, because you're right, there's just too much, you know, why set a date when you know it's just going to get pushed back? That kind of thing is it, it, happening way too much. I, I think like it's fine to
1: maybe even internally set a, a timetable, but don't talk about it with the public. Just like keep your mouth shut. And like say like mm-hmm. i I think yeah. you can even safely say, "Hey, we are targeting this window, but that's it, mm-hmm. like you don't need to go any more in depth, like even that's iffy, but yeah, 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 and it's like we're 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 looking at this, but you know that's that's an optimal time frame. I think a lot of it too is just sort of like I don't know, consumer expectation, where it's like mm-hmm. we want things when we want them, and it's yeah, uh, dude, there's been so much stuff where I just sort of like. I I just sort of like looking at the crunch stuff and just some of that, but like, just like I roll my eyes sometimes so hard. Like, I'm just like, Oh, for Pete's sake, when people are like some of like the sort of the uh, entitled consumer nonsense that I see going on in the marketplace, like, dude, like, I'm just going to, it's like, and this is maybe like a brief vent, but like, even within the post office, like what I'm seeing is like when customers are like, come up to me and like, I was supposed to get this package like six days ago. And I'm like, dude, like if I had it, you'd have it. Like, and then it turns out it's like, it's not even like, we're not even the ones handling it. It's like UPS or FedEx. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> get out of my face. Like, but it's <laughs> like, it's like people like, it's like, give me what I want. Give it to me right now. Like, and like heaven help you. If anything gets in the way of like, Like, this is the thing that I want, and you're going to give it to me. And I'm just like, this is like Burger King syndrome gone awry. Like, the customer is not always king. The customer is more often than not a misinformed idiot that needs to, like, cool their jets, sit down, and just be patient. Like, just, like, chill. Chill, Winston. Chill. Okay. (laughs) That's, like... I'm sorry. Yeah. I feel like in this
0: conversation, there's been a few case studies. Cause like you were talking about no, uh, like when restraints are thrown off and I feel like Peter Molyneux has tried to make those games multiple times. Um, and then we're talking about crunch and what comes to mind immediately is like someone needs to save Masahiro Sakurai. Cause that dude like will not stop working ever. And, and he needs help. Somebody needs to just look uh, at him yeah. and
1: say enough. Like, yeah,
0: yeah. You need to we finish don't this. You have you have Smash a monster character. We have eighty five of them. Finish this. That's actually up. a
2: fascinating case where I wonder: <laughs> is it just him, or does he make his team also? Do, like Nintendo yeah. is so shrouded with kind of how they handle development, right. yeah, even like totally. sometimes what teams are even working on which games. Sometimes, um, so you never hear about that kind of stuff from Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if if Sakurai's yeah. team specifically, for example, you know, feels that peer pressure, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, like, the stories that I've read of him, like, sleeping under his desk and, and, like, basically living at the, like, to the point where he is physically sick. Yes. Because he's not leaving the office. And it's just, like, holy shnikes. I like Smash Brothers, but wow. Did you guys.
1: Don't do that. Did you guys (laughs) hear uh, anything surrounding sort of, like, basically, they had to rewrite the code for a bunch of the levels to accommodate uh, Steve from Minecraft? because mm-hmm, his mechanic mm-hmm. is he actually drops blocks that are physical objects within the game like they basically had to rewrite like every level every of stage in the did. game mm-hmm. to Why accommodate not? his mechanic but they did it and i'm just like yeah like yeah nintendo is just such a weird company and like it yeah. is like
2: man at some point in time yeah I, I think maybe um is that not the most lucrative crossover that they've done so far in Smash Brothers? I, oh, I think maybe the oh, reason they did that is question. because there was some money waiting for them that's on the other true. end. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. and like Microsoft and Nintendo have been playing
1: real nice lately. And I think uh, uh, like, and I've, I've heard a lot of people say this and I think there's truth to it that in a lot of ways, like y- we are sort of at the older end of gaming. Like we're not like, but like all three of us are in our thirties, you know looking at 40 you know kind of like we're all older adult mature men we have families and careers and own our homes and while smash brothers is sort of like a multi-generational thing like steve slash alex whatever was definitely a play at a much younger demographic where they're Mm -hmm. really trying to like the minecraft kids like yeah Minecraft yes. is huge. Well,
2: it, it's got yeah. my kids' attention. My, my, I don't know if you guys know, I got an Xbox One semi-recently this year, and we've been mm-hmm. you know, getting Game Pass, and you can get Minecraft. And so they've been... Mm. They discovered it in 2020. They discovered what Minecraft is. And they've been all about it. And so they know about Minecraft Steve and Super Smash Brothers because of that fandom. And they're not... We don't have Smash Brothers yet, um, but okay. they're more interested in it now.
0: Nice. Dude, so, I'll tell you what, nice, you ever yeah. get
2: Smash... You know friend code me up man
1: i will like yeah <laughs> I will like hop on that and like i I love that game.
2: I'm not good at it, but I like it I suck at smash as well
0: well and and I've heard from multiple people uh well, multiple podcasts so not like actual you know human beings talking face to face, but still like people who have uh relatives like who are who are kids who learned about Mega Man from Smash Brothers. And that, like, to your point, Nate, like, we're all uh, older dudes. That's and sad. so, like, that that's totally backwards for me. But, like, when Mega Man 11 came out, I remember someone talking on a podcast how, like, his nephew um, was like, oh, that's the character. That's that guy from Smash Brothers kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, yeah, okay. So, so yeah, Smash Brothers works as this weird mm-hmm. um, introduction in the way that, like, the Fire Emblem characters in the GameCube one was for a lot of kids. Well, I look at like the,
1: like Smash has always sort of done that though, because like NES. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Like a lot of people, like my first exposure to NES was, and just the Earthbound games in general was through Smash Brothers, and which like piqued my interest. Like I didn't grow up playing that or, you know, and I was like, oh, what is this? And then I, because I played you know Ness and smash brothers i was like i want to like learn about this game and then you know yeah but yeah it's uh, it's definitely Mm -hmm. very interesting like it's sort of Mm -hmm. well it's we bought it for for my nephew like we bought it for the one nephew Mm -hmm. because it was like he was having a blast with it and i was like okay dude like this is something uncle nate will play with you Hey, he's yet to play me like
2: on it but I mean that all the crossover stuff's really neat. I mean some kid can come along and be like, oh Cloud, man, I heard he's in the greatest Final Fantasy ever. <laughs> oh children. Poor children. You don't even
0: know. <laughs> Nate's face. I like it. No. I like
1: it. It's good. Why why do you uh, hurt me but- like this? Why why do you hurt? like I love you. You are like one of my favorite people, Micah. But you hurt me. That that hurts. Like physically.
2: Like it, my I'm heart. Gotta, it, it me is, and Jesse not gotta gotta rally together, man. You guys you guys are hurting me physically <laughs> with your awful taste.
1: <laughs> All, oh, right. all right, all right. We
0: should probably. So, how long until we get a big daddy in Smash Brothers? That's the question. Ooh. There was a big daddy
1: uh, in that PlayStation
0: yeah, Smash Brothers. I was Brothers. about to
2: say that's PlayStation.
4: All stars. Really?
1: Yeah, oh, really? Oh, that's was cool. was
2: straight up, yeah, in the Smash Brothers oh, wow. clone Yeah,
0: yeah. All stars. All, all stars. Because yeah, when you said all, that, yeah, that, that
2: all. sounded familiar. I was like, wait a second. Yeah, <laughs> didn't know that. We mm-hmm. yeah,
0: might have to mm. check that out eventually.
2: Eventually, never we'll played see. that game on the backlog.
0: Yeah, don't know. Yeah, me neither. Um, all right, so do we want to go ahead and re- report Speak, on some stuff? Speaking
1: or? of backlogs, <laughs> it's time for the backlog report. <laughs> I, I appreciate that all fully right. work, gentlemen. Love mm-hmm. it. Love it. High class. Okay. Micah,
2: since you're our guest, why don't you? What What have you been up to? Dude, I've been in a holding some pattern. Highlights. With with games here lately, I've just, I've been going back to the same old wells that are mm. like my comfort food games uh, while I am not purchasing anything until PS5 comes out. Fair enough. Um, so it's a little boring, I guess. Um, uh, m- most of these games probably aren't crazy uh, interesting to you guys, but um, I've been playing, I got up on season two of Fall Guys. Okay. Okay. Um, so they got some medieval Themed uh levels now. They they have like three new levels that are that are pretty fun. You and um, I need to schedule another night for me to hop on
1: and just ride your coattails. It's oh, <laughs> man, that game. dude. It's a free for all. <laughs> There's no coattail riding, man. Dude, well, gotta... yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, you know the the one or we, the first time. Well, you were the reason I downloaded it, and then yeah. you and I played. We played for a couple hours and it was like, oh, this is really fun. I really it was really hard for me to just come back and just play it like i think it's definitely a game for me where i'm like it gels better if i'm like in a party chat and playing with other people and stuff yeah
2: well it's a difficult game too and it's frustrating you Mm know not really in the same way but kind of like if you ever played the game octodad like, and you know, they like, oh, this is fun, but I'm frustrated with trying to do what I'm trying to do, kind of the way.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: But uh, anyway, playing that, it's, it's, it's really fun. Um, playing uh, a lot of Rocket League. You've probably seen me up on that, Nate. If okay. you ever get up on uh, the PSN, I'll, there's a good mm-hmm. chance I'm playing Rocket League with some buddies. Um, so playing a lot of that, that game is just, real quick, I won't spend a lot of time on it. It's one of my favorite games ever, Period. And especially on PS4, it's just, it's so fun to to dig into. And yeah, it, um, it has depth that an actual sport has, you know, like, like, you know, any professional sport, it's, it's really good. Anyway, um, quick, quick, quick question, if you don't mind me peeking in for just
0: a second. So I know it just recently went free, free to play. That's right. Is there any downside to the free to play version or is it, is it following like a Fortnite model where like. It, they're making money off uh, cosmetic stuff.
2: Yeah, no, th- there's no real downside. It's basically the same, okay. m- more or less, the same Rocket League you have come to know over the past five years. Um, cool. So so there's not really any like kind of weird loot box stuff that you, if you didn't engage with it before, there's nothing pushing it now.
1: There's some uh, really okay.
2: great cosmetics, though, cool. in that. Some really cool yeah.
1: cosmetics mm-hmm. for the different carts. Yes, yeah.
2: Yeah, but anyway, Rocket League. Um, I dabbled real quickly. I want to get some more into it. Um, I'm actually going to be recording an episode of uh, The Reformed Gamers with Adam uh, later this week on Ghost of Tsushima. Mm, Nice. And so uh, I I, I played a little bit of that new multiplayer mode, Legends, is what they're calling it. So it's a free DLC that came out a week or so ago where you can have some two player co-op missions and then also um i think some like two to four player like sort of horde mode like survival kind of things there's going to be a raid down the road they're going to add um so a lot of free just kind of multiplayer content so dug into that a little bit it looks really really good a lot of stuff to unlock just upgrades and stuff it looks fantastic so i I played like literally one session i played like three kind of multiplayer Mm -hmm. rounds or whatever Um, but that seemed nice and then real quick um, a game that you guys is probably more on your radar uh, The Last Campfire from Hello Games Mm -hmm. Um, this little uh, colorful indie game uh, uh, you play as this little kind of cloaked character and it's a um, kind of an emotional kind of poignant uh, little tale um, puzzle adventure game really cute and uh, a a good narration in it Um, about five hours long, maybe to beat it really simple, a a fun little game and kind of a, definitely a stark, you know, difference from what Hello Games has been producing with No Man's Sky. Um, so this is like, they took a a portion of their team and, and carved this game out and, and have put it out and it's out there for, you know, I think everything PC, PS4, Switch, I think it's for all the, all the major things. So, so the last campfire is a good, like eight out of 10 kind of indie game. It's, it's pretty darn good. Nice, Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I have a good friend of mine who who bought it on Switch and he was he bought it for a trip that him and his wife were taking and he was talking to me before they went on that trip and he's like, I've played
2: like half the game already because <laughs> he can not yeah. put it down. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really addicting. Yeah, you can definitely get into it I'll like have that.
1: to check that out because I'm always kind of, I think those smaller sort of like single session play, like games, like uh, I think uh, Megan recently played a short hike on our Switch. Um, and I just, I like those games where you can sit down, you, maybe it's like four to six hours and you like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a longer session, but like that stuff, like I'm a big fan of just being able to sit down and like, sort of like experience a game in one sitting or two sittings. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's good stuff. Like, and, and frankly, I think the market needs way more of that. So I'll have to. I'll have to check that one out for sure.
2: For sure. Yeah, I can't remember the price, but if you find it on sale for ten bucks or less, it might be ten bucks. Period. I don't know, but nine. You know. Yeah, yeah. If it's nine ninety nine or less, I would definitely pick it up. Okay. Um, As far as what I've been reading, um, I never really bring something like this to uh, to to the backlog report. As far as uh, this kind of stuff, I'm usually reading something uh, more edifying or whatever, but. I've been reading some comic books, and I never read comic books anymore. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, I, I grew up reading comics all the time and was a big kind of Marvel fan growing up, like in my like pre-teens and, and that kind of time. So I picked up, and I got it right here. I'll show the camera. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn yeah. uh, oh, by Titan you, Comics. You fancy. You uh, fancy. It's uh, This is by... Um, Anne Tool and Anne Molina is the illustrator. Anne Toole is a writer on the game itself. She wrote for also the game Days Gone, the zombie game um, from Sony, mm-hmm. and uh, some random other kind of credits like some Netflix projects. Some I've seen some random things. I think she did something with The Witcher. I'm not exactly sure. Um, anyway, it is uh, it is good, not great. It, it follows the okay. the story of uh, a Talana. Uh, uh, Nate, I think you've played Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember she is the Karja sort of queen or whatever in Meridian, you know in the hunting lodge and all that kind of stuff. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so you follow her story and um I'm only there's only three issues out so far. So um you know still kind of yet to be seen but but reading that and enjoying it, it it's it's enjoyable but it's not like wowing me or knocking my socks off. What is knocking my socks off? And this is a recommendation, not really a, a direct reco from Wes, but Wes got me kind of looking at this stuff and then my kids um who are 9, 7 and 5 started watching the 90s Mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, show mm-hmm. and so I picked up I've been picking up the uh trade paperbacks for Mighty Morphin yeah. Power Rangers from back in like 2016 I think so this is like like the the, the main characters from I don't I don't know I don't I'm really ignorant of all like the Power Rangers like all the versions and power ranger verse that there might exist all the different kind of uh, uh, takes on it but this is like you know tommy and jason and and kimberly and all those characters it's like new stories with those characters as if it was back in the 90s doing their normal thing you know nice. um with with uh, uh goldar and all those guys um so this is really good i love the art in this the writing is fantastic it's just cliffhangers it, this is some really good stuff this is like i don't know um like I said, I haven't read comics in like forever, so it's it's wowing me. It may not be actually that good, but compared to the Horizon comics, I'm liking the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comics a lot more. Um, so yeah, I've been kind of digging into that. My oldest, uh, my my nine year old daughter's been reading the the Power Rangers along with me, so we're we're kind of digging them. But uh, that's, that's what very I've been, cool. That's what I've been reading, man. Dude, very very cool.
1: I appreciate I appreciate
2: those those comic books.
3: Yeah, man, <laughs> I appreciate
1: yeah. that, man. Like. Uh, I've I've also recently started. There's a couple like comic book runs that I've started to like pick mm. up. So um, nice. It's warming the underscored cockles of your heart. The underscored cockles of my heart. <laughs> I, I'll you know what I'll go next since I I already okay. started. Uh, as far as games go, uh, it's pretty much been ha- more Hades. Uh, you know that game, dude.
2: Uh, I mean, Micah, you you are a super giant fan as well. I, I I'm just waiting for the PS4 version. It's not because I'm a Switch hater. It's because mm. I all my Switch, uh, four out of my five Switch controllers have Joy-Con drift,
1: mm. and no. I've
2: not taken the time to like correct them or fix them or dude, anything. So, like That's
1: honestly, the the replacing those sticks is. I mean, you have to get like
2: the screwdrivers, and you have to get the like the little. But it's super easy. Like, okay, I, 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 that's. I, I just need to take the time to do it. But that's sort of like just kind of. My, if, if I know it's coming out for PS4, I usually just wait for. Them. Well,
1: and it's I'm cool. my here's like I'm just a sucker, and I'll buy it for PS4 again. So <laughs> <laughs> um, more hate at that point in time, I'll just like uh, yeah, I'll just like make a serious run at the trophies. And just like yeah. burn myself out in the process. Uh, it's Good. i I was actually talking to all, another friend of the show and a buddy of mine, Parker, and he was sort of asking some questions about it. And I said, it's like a smarter, leaner version of Diablo. Um, but it's got Ooh. some different elements to it. it. Okay, so it's 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 a dungeon crawler, isometric dungeon crawler sort of game. And it's got like the, the loop is like you die and because you're the son of Hades, and so you die and you come back to life and you
2: emerge out of the river and hmm I have a question. Um, mm-hmm. Nate, I I love Super Giant Games. It's probably my favorite indie developer. Mm-hmm. Um I am not generally a fan of roguelikes. It's not really a it, roguelike. Ex- explain this to me help me help me feel better about this situation so
1: it's it's kind like i get it it's kind of roguelike but it's not
0: <laughs> it's like a roguelike <laughs> it's
1: it's like a roguelike it's i mean it's definitely like there's there's that there is that sort of like gameplay loop but it doesn't it's there but it, I just don't. It doesn't feel like a roguelike to me. I th- when I think roguelike, like, I, I think Rogue Legacy. What like, what carries
2: over and what does not carry over?
1: So when you die, when you die, there's a currency called Darkness, which you use to sort of it's it's not leveling, but you use it to soft level um, through a mirror thing. Uh, there's several different like currencies and materials that you can gather. All of that stuff will stay. You drop any of what is, uh, it's called Charon's Obel. It's like a gold. And you use that to buy upgrades or health throughout the, the different levels. Um, okay. but that, and so you drop that. And it, there's a series of like permanent upgrades you can make to the weapons through gathering different resources. There's six different weapons. There's all these little trinkets that you can sort of uh, equip that will give uh, a passive Like some of them are like, one of them is like you get a shield for the last encounter in every biosphere or level or whatever, you get a shield where you can ignore like five hits from the boss. Uh, One of them is, has like uh, every time you take damage, you're invulnerable for three seconds and that resets every seven seconds. Like, and, and there's different levels to those. Like uh, basically there's two sort of power up options. Uh, you can power up your weapon, and each weapon has a primary attack and then a special attack. So for like the sword, right? It's like you can do like a little sort of combo where he does like you know swings a couple times and then does a thrust, or you can do this sort of like jump meteor slam like he slams it down and does an AOE sort of attack yeah. um, with the bow the and each weapon plays very differently. So you can you can upgrade the weapons directly, and these are sort of soft upgrades because they reset every time you start over again. Like, but they add different. You can get these things called Daedalic hammers, and what the, from Daedalus um, or Daedalic hammers, you know, however you want to say it. But yeah, uh, what they do is they alter the weapon. For one of the things, it's like, for, for the sword, your basic, one of the things that it'll do is, like, it'll upgrade, your basic attack will do 500% increased damage against enemies with armor. Or you can take it, it's like, it'll change, it'll give you three options. Basically, every time you come up on an upgrade, whether it's through, like, these Daedalic or the, you'll actually get upgrades from the different deities in the, the Greek pantheon. I think it's Greek. It might be. Yeah. The, it does matter. Yes. It's Greek. Yeah. Okay. Greek. Yeah. Because
0: yeah. Roman would be the game would be called Pluto.
1: Yes. Okay. That's. Um. So like you have Zeus and Athena and uh, Artemis, uh, Aphrodite, uh, Ares, Neptune, and there's a couple others like you unlock and. Those and all of that, all this stuff that basically everything you unlock during a run, sort of the moment you die, like you, you throw all of that out. But the charm in this game is that like, it is like playing with the different loadouts and sort of figuring out different like play styles. Mm-hmm. I mean, like this game, I feel you on like, I don't really like roguelikes a whole lot. But there's something about this. I think just like because it isn't sort of that side-scrolling. It's it's more of like that isometric sort of Diablo-ish. It's got sort of like it's scratching my Diablo vibe, like like or scratching that itch a little bit. But it's like I said, it's a much smarter, leaner gameplay. And I think the the biggest thing is like if it had. In, in a lot of ways, I think like, so there's basically four or five biospheres that you go through or levels or whatever that you go through. You defeat Hades, you know, obviously like that's sort of like the big fight. And then your the dad, Yeah, you, you fight your, you beat your dad up because you have bad <laughs> son. Um I don't know, but, and, and it's all tied to the story. So I don't want to get like too far into it, but it's like, even after that, there's sort of like it. There's like a soft reset and you start over from the beginning. And it just really is like, I think the thing is like under any other circumstances, I'd sort of be like, whatever. If these runs took longer than they actually do, I think- that long be- is a run? 30 minutes, 45 maybe. Okay. Like if you're you doing know- really well and you're sort of like- like slow rolling like that 45 you can
2: do a 45 minute run sure okay i, I mean I, i'm super duper excited to get into it me and um me and my wife emily were painting our den living room whatever our main room uh the other day and i just popped on the Hades soundtrack because i knew it was good and, like nice. i did not even played the game yet and just like listening to that thing mm. it's got some real bangers i know so I'm, <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm looking to get into it their music is always
1: just i mean uh darren korb is just. Mm-hmm. dude's a beast, uh yeah, like all of all of his stuff is just super interesting, yeah, their sound design is always like uh, i I really I know this game isn't going to be for everybody, but it is it is firing on so many cylinders for me where I'm like, mm-hmm. this maybe be because like too, part of the problem with and and I'll wrap up my thoughts on Hades with this thought, okay, part of the problem with supergiant is that they make these really interesting worlds. There's this really charming game. And then once you're done playing it, that's it. And mm-hmm. like, so it's like, there are these like 15 to 20 hour experiences and that's really cool. And it's like, I might even like run through the game a second time because like, it's like, well, with Bastion, like you can play with a different like weapons and everything else. Right. And, and with Transistor, like it's like, you can set up different tactics and strategies. Lots of options there, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that one's made to be replayed. Yeah, definitely. But they're all like, but it's it's short. It's like, I
1: mean, like you might dump twenty hours into those games, and then like there's just sort of a point where like I've seen everything this game has to offer. I'm good. Like, and you just sort of like roll out. I think Hades for the first time is like, well, it's like like I I said to Josh, dude, I had fifty five hours into it, and I didn't even know. That's sick. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think, like, that's, that's the thing is, like, and it's, and it, there's always, like, a little bit more to, like, uncover and sort of, like, th- this game is peak super giant in my, like, the, the sort of the world building is meeting, the gameplay is meeting, sort of, like, the story is it being sort of, like, slow, it's sort of, like, being just, a li- like, teased out a little bit at a time. I'm sure that people could play it faster, much faster than I am. And and I do totally recommend just turning God mode on to experience the story. And if you want to get like super, like, I'm going to be like super hardcore, like turn it off and like, yeah, like, you know, wreck your, you know, break your heart over it, but <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like get good. Um, but I've turned on God mode and I just have fun playing it. It's just, it's, it's become sort of like my go-to, like, I just want to like play something for a hot minute and then like, and you can walk away from it and there's like no, no pressure. Yeah. It's like you don't feel like super tied to it. And it's, I, I, there's so much like I'm talking to Parker, he was like, it sounds like this might be your game of the year. And I'm like, it probably is.
2: Yeah. I think this I might mean, be. Yeah. My- Based on what I'm hearing you say, I think that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's yeah. not like, it's not like the, my favorite game that I've ever played,
1: but I'm just like, it's like one of those things where I'm like, no, this is like been one of the most enjoyable experiences because it's, it's everything I wanted from a super giant game in a lot of ways that I didn't know that I wanted. Like, I was really yeah. like, I love what they do. And I was like, oh, this is super cool. And then they're like, oh, hey, like, and, and I'm just like, this is awesome. And I know that not everybody's going to be on that. But like, for me, it's just like, it's, I'm super vibing with it. Um, but that's, that's enough Hades. I'll talk about can, it. More.
0: Can I ask one mm-hmm. question real quick? is because it seems very similar to another indie game that you talked about this year, Children of Morta. Mm-hmm. Um, have you bought Children of Morta? hmm Have you played very much of that? How do those two compare? Hmm. I mean, clearly it sounds like you enjoy Hades more, but I know you also did really like Children of Morta. They're just both... It seems like they're both very similar, like, uh, you know, isometric... Diablo-ish roguelikes from indie developers. And obviously hmm. Super Giant like they they polish to a sheen everything that they do. Um so so not to take anything away from that, like, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed the games that I've played by them. Um I'm just curious how those two compare.
1: Well, I didn't beat Children of Morda. I sort of fell off on that. Okay. Um Okay. I hmm those they're very similar I think in sort mm-hmm. of experience. Like actually they have pretty similar gameplay loops. Um mm-hmm. just from my initial Children of Morta has that really like sort of like really charming sprite work um the sort yep. of like the the super 16-bit kind of like yeah. the super pixel like super charming pixel art. Um mm-hmm. I don't know. I would have to play a lot more of Children of Morta. There's there's a lot of similarities, okay. but okay. I think Children of Morta sort of hit me at the wrong time. Okay, it would probably be good to go back and sort of like put put a few few more hours into that just as a they're very similar. So here's the thing. Um, obviously, I think the music in Hades is way better, and like yeah, the Darren Korb. Uh and I just mm-hmm. I think like the just the visual representation is a lot more like the, the pixel art stuff is cool. And I like that, but I really like the, the art in Hades. I think like, it's, it's just, it's not super flashy, but I think it's like, it's, it's fun. It appeals to me. So Mm -hmm. cool. Okay. All right. I'm going to stop talking about Hades now. Um, (laughs) The only other thing that I played a sort of of note is I did I downloaded and fired up a little bit of that Genshin Impact. Uh, yes. I probably sunk about four or five hours into it. Uh, it's it's interesting. Like mm-hmm. You hookshotting all over the place? No, right? because <laughs> uh, they're terrible and they hate fun. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> well, they followed Breath of the Wild
2: to the T, didn't they? Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much, uh, yeah. Uh,
1: it's it's re- It would be really easy to... There are you can definitely see like the the Breath of the Wild sort of like similarities, right? There, I mean, you, you can't tourism. look at yeah, it's similar, yeah, it's similar. You can't, <laughs> you can't. It's like, oh, this is just like Breath of the Wild, only it's not. Um, I what I would say is what's really interesting about that game is there are a lot of like yes similarities, but the 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 just the general approach is a lot different. Um, Versus having to sort of like hunt down these tools and sort of like it removes a lot of the survival scavenger sort of like elements and okay. sort of replaces that with the the character gotcha stuff and I think for like you know it's it's a big old free ninety nine so it's a whole lot of zero dollars, which I mean honestly for that price point, I think it is a ridiculous like I, w- I was telling somebody, I said, like, realistically, based off of what I played, if they were to remove the MTX stuff and tighten up some of the mechanics, I, I think they would be justified in charging 50, 60 bucks for that game.
2: Okay. It's,
1: Dang. Wow. It's substantial. Um, w- what are you playing it on? Uh, PS4. Okay. Um, and I'm I, I refuse to put it on my phone. Like I, I know they're going to be like like listen, it's Chinese software. They're data mine. And they're like if it's on my PS4, the only thing they're going to get out of me is like, hey, he likes video games, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Whereas if I put it on my phone, there's a lot of stuff on there. I'm just like, I don't need you know the communist chi- you know the the Chinese Communist Party to know anything about me. Um, <laughs> but uh, so. It's, I'll tell you what, like, it's definitely really interesting. It's a really interesting model. I think like my biggest problem, aside from just like games like that tend to be a little too big, you know, in my opinion, like it just, I sort of hit like open world fatigue after a certain point, but I think the gotcha mechanic stuff, like all the like character, like in some ways I'm a total sucker for that. And in other ways, I'm just like. Yeah, it adds like a layer of complexity that I think the game just doesn't need. Because there's the whole like leveling and rarity and all this other crap, and I'm just like, eh. Like I just I just wanna <laughs> yeah. like go kill monsters
2: and you know, climb stuff and you you just wanna kill monsters and climb stuff. So you wanna play Shadow of the Colossus?
1: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
2: it's I mean that's that's you know, give me some giant monsters and let me uh
1: let me let me climb all over them and stab them in their glowy magic spots. Um, that's really what I want. I want pray to the Gods. Sounds so weird. That's what I want. Um,
0: I do have a question. What does the title mean? I have no idea. Genshin.
1: Okay. okay. It's, it's a word cool. in impact. Um, yeah. And it's apparently like, uh, you know, I've done like a little bit of Google. Google, Google blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Nate talk pretty someday. Um, mm-hmm. You asked Jeeves. I asked mm-hmm. Jeeves. Uh, what's the deal with this game and it apparently this miHoYo uh, the mm-hmm. developer or whatever uh, they've published a whole bunch of games and they're sort of like some of their the th- this game is related to their other games in some way shape or form I'm not sure gotcha. how Okay, and, and but it's like it's sort of like part of that stuff so maybe okay. it has some sort of I don't know Like it, but um, as far as reading, it's funny that you should mention comic books, uh, because it's not really a comic, or well, you mentioned trade paperbacks, really. But uh, a while ago, and this is not something like I don't necessarily recommend Neil Gaiman, but I am a sucker for his stuff. But this is the Neil Gaiman Library Volume One, this is like a bunch of short stories that he's written but they're all oh. in like comic book form. Dude. Nice. The, I like that. Uh, the study in – I think the study – so this one has, yeah, it has a study in Emerald, Murder Mysteries, How to tuck to Girls at Parties, and Forbidden Brides. And um, those are all short stories that he's written. Um, was it In Fragile Things? I think was the the collection that you can find all – anyways, it's very cool. Uh, it was also kind of expensive and
2: it got me in a I was about to say that book looked expensive, man. It got me in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> nice. Um,
1: <laughs> the, the second volume is coming out, uh, it's either out already or it's coming out shortly, but that's neither here nor there. As far as like more serious reading, I haven't done a whole lot. I've been trying to sort of, I had actually started to accrue a bit of a pile. Like I've actually started to accrue several piles. And it's where I've been sort of on a book buying spree lately. And so it's like, I probably got about two dozen books that I've been like, I, I'm going to read this. And I just haven't. Nice. Uh, so for the backlog book club, yeah, for the backlog book club, book log breakdown <laughs> um, barbecues, uh, 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 nervous breakdowns. Um, uh, so there's a book, uh, by Sean Michael Lucas called on being Presbyterian that I had gotten a while ago. And I've read excerpts from, uh, but I had never just sat down and read the the thing in its entirety. And it's just a sort of an overview and an examination of some of like the Presbyterian distinctives. Uh, and I've just been going through that. Uh, it's, you know, just sort of chewing through like an essay or a chapter at a time kind of thing. Uh, and then I've also been reading through a book called Faithful and Fruitful. Uh, it's Essays for Elders and Deacons. It was edited by William, and I think I might have mentioned this before, but William Bokestein and Stephen Sweats. I don't know. It's from Reformed Fellowship Press. It's a little more dry, but it's I've been finding it to be very helpful uh, and then I've also been reading a while ago. I had gotten it's basically I forget what it's called. I think Michael need him publish it. It's in the other room, or else I go get it and just look at it. But it's uh, it's readings, daily readings with the early church fathers, and it's just sort of like uh, nice. there's every month they there's a new church father. Like so, Augustine. Um, I can't remember. Uh, Irenaeus Irenae, Irenaeus mm-hmm. is yeah. like he had a month. Um, so I've sort of been dipping in and out of that. I need to be more consistent. But it's just like, it's it's sort of like bite-sized, almost devotional type stuff. Um, it's It's been nice. interesting. So I've been reading through that a little bit. Sweet, man.
0: Um, well, I guess I'll go ahead and blow through my report here. Like I said, in between classes, I've actually had some more time to game. So I actually finished up both the games that I talked about last episode, um, so that's Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D on 3DS. Um, the kind of my my overall thoughts, it, it was it was a good game. Um, I do feel like it was slightly overhyped, but I'm also playing it in 2020, not like when th- there's a glut of like 2D platformers. If that makes sense, um, back then I could totally get why, like just the excitement of like, oh, it's a new Donkey Kong Country game. Coming right now because it is a very solid game don't get me wrong i just for some reason i was expecting a little bit more i don't know why um like i can't even put my finger on it it's not that i didn't enjoy it. i did it's a good game uh, and there is a lot of content like if you want to go hardcore and collect all the little things tons of content there i did not want to do that <laughs> <laughs> so um i mean like i played it it's eight worlds long with you know like six to eight levels each world so, a, a bunch of stuff, but then in addition to that, if you go and get 100%, there's other areas that you unlock, and yeah, it's 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 crazy. So, definitely a good game. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, and then Bioshock, we'll talk about that more later, but I can finally cross that one off the list, and I'm really excited <laughs> that I can. Um, so, with those two down, I did start two new games. I, I started Mario Rabbids uh, Kingdom Battle mm-hmm. on Switch. Okay um and that's that's been fun it's interesting because i was expecting more of like a tactics rpg game which it is in a certain sense but it's more like a connected series of levels like i was expecting fire emblem and what you get is like levels with almost sort of like puzzle challenges now you can upgrade your characters and give them different abilities and then like swap out abilities and stuff like reset your ability points and stuff so it's customizable like an rpg but you don't get experience points from beating enemies which is which like changes the entire strategy in my head because generally if you can get experience points for a game like fire emblem like i am finding the best strategy to take out all the enemies mm-hmm. so that I can get all the experience and level up. Yeah. Whereas with this game, it's more like like you have different objectives. Maybe it is take out all the enemies. Okay, cool. In that case, then, then you do that. But maybe it's reached this point in the area where like, again, if it was Fire Emblem, I'd still try and wipe out as many enemies as I could to reach that area so that I can get experience. But in this, because there's no experience, it's literally just like this is the next level you have to beat. Well, okay, then in my brain, like okay, the puzzle is get there. Don't care about like how much you get hit, what enemies need to die. Like it's it's just a different ball game uh, because it takes away some of those RPG elements while still like retaining some of them as well. Have you
1: have you um, played any of the like the XCOM? Stuff I have not. Okay, I was just I wondering, not.
0: and I've heard this is like XCOM for babies. So, I was just yeah. kind
1: of wondering how they they squared up, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So it, I is mean, this developed by Ubisoft or Nintendo?
0: Yes, it is. Yes, okay, yeah. It's an Ubisoft Ubi, game right. that uses Nintendo characters. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so then there
2: was my 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 question is then: Does it have that Nintendo charm to it? You know that.
0: It definitely does, like um, even playing that it has like a lot of cutscenes, even playing this knowing that there's like a Mario movie in the future, I was like, okay, I could totally see this happening like just and it is uh, the thing is, okay, I don't like rabbits, okay It's just, it's just not my who thing. does rabbits are, are I mean, they're basically minions, and people love minions, <laughs> there's so many memes of minions. It's because people are I don't dumb. get dumb it's not my thing <laughs> like my kids love despicable me all three of them and that's fine i'm i'm down with despicable me but minions are just like on another level of just
2: yeah okay. It's
0: josh still, i like, mean it's pure physical comedy just like okay lowest common
1: denominator it's sure, the the, the 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 people like terrible things it's you know, yes. They, yeah yes they they like garbage and minions yeah. and rabbits are terrible Two and a two and a half men and minions,
0: you know, it's like all that just mashed <laughs> together, just like yeah. So so there is a ton of like rabid humor that's just like okay, this is not for me, but the Mario stuff is pretty charming, although uh, it is overwhelmingly rabids because it's Ubisoft. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so you're not gonna get. I mean, Mario's never had a deep story anyway, but it definitely the the characters do have their they're kind of charmed to it. They do have some just like it's written well to where there are some gags that are that'll make you smile. Not maybe not even give you a chuckle. But, yeah. You know, just just some like puns and stuff like sure. that that are well done. But all the rabid stuff is just like for me, it's take it or leave it. Like, I'm just not a fan of. Yeah, of that I'm with you. in general. But um, but I am really enjoying the game. It just it took me by surprise. Like, wait. Where are the numbers that are supposed to be going up right now? I don't get any of that. So like I had to rethink it. And then once I rethought it, it's like, okay, cool. Now I just purely focus on whatever the objective is, which is just interesting because I'm so used to JRPGs. Sure. Um, So I'm enjoying that. I'm only like two worlds into that. And I don't know how long I have left. So, you know, still in the beginning stages. And then I started up Trails in the Sky Um, I talked about it on our Discord that it is the jankiest setup that I've ever had to play a game because I'm playing it with a PS4 controller connected with a Xbox-branded USB cable into my Mac laptop running a Windows emulator in order to play a game that I downloaded DRM-free from Humble Bundle. So um, it's
1: funny. It works just fine. Uh, Excellent. um, Yeah. Yeah, That is like... like There is so much like... Oh, geez, I'm kicking stuff over.
0: That's that's how excited
1: I am about, like, the the levels of, like... <laughs> the fact that it works. I'm like, there's so much stuff in there where it's like... This should this, not be. This should not be. Exactly. This should not be. But, but it is. It is. Yeah. It is be. Yes. exactly. It does <laughs> be. Like, I, <laughs> it does be. But it do. But
0: um, it do. So... <laughs> Like I could play it on my desktop. Like I have a, a PC desktop PC that, that could run it just fine. But I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it was originally, re- well, it was originally on PC, but, but there was a port on, on PSP. It's not like, it doesn't take very much to run it. And so like, I figured I'd be able to, to do it. And just that little bit of portability with my laptop, um, is it really helpful for me? Cause I know it's a big JRPG, like, when am I going to find time to play it? I talked about when I played Persona 5 that I played a lot of that um, stream, not streamed, but McCall Remote it, the, play. The remote play, there you go. Um, just because like that helps a lot in my stage of life. So in order to play it, like just having it on my laptop helps a lot. So uh, really enjoying that. It's so far, I'm still in the beginning. Um, so it's like it hasn't opened up. I know there's, I know the beginning is kind of long in what you're doing. Um, There's lots of dialogue, but it's good. Like it actually, it doesn't feel stilted or anything like that. Um, It brings a lot of character to the different characters. And so I'm enjoying it. Uh, It's a JRPG. It's turn-based, but it has somewhat of a strategy RPG feel, similar to Mario Rabbids or like Fire Emblem, in that like it's a grid-based system but that's more it's actually sim- more similar to something like um like Devil Survivor on 3DS that Shin Megami Tensei game that I've talked about before uh that that uses that within like a a turn-based uh, the more traditional kind of JRPG setting so it's 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 kind of light in that area but anyways I'm enjoying it I'll, I'm sure I'll talk about it for the next like six episodes because it's nice and long. But, I, but it, has, it does have its hooks into me even though I'm at the beginning, which is pretty cool because I, I prefer that I don't spend six months on a game. I'd like to get through it a little bit faster than that. So hopefully I'll be able to do that. So those are the games I've been playing. Um, in terms of what I've been getting into outside of that, like reading, um, I've been reading a manga from Shonen Jump so I talked about how I just like dove headfirst into Yu-Gi-Oh. I started rereading a lot of Rurouni Kenshin. Um, that that was like one of my favorite manga uh, back in high school, and I I actually have a bunch of physical cops, so I could be reading this physically <laughs> <laughs> with all the manga that I own from it. Um, it's just easier on my iPad reading through it because I have the subscription to Shonen Jump, and it's funny coming from Yu-Gi-Oh. It's like I recognize how good the art from Moroni Kenshin is like immediately from the beginning. Like he, he's just, uh, Watsuki-san is just a really good, um, I think, I think, right. must I think it's Watsuki. I think that's his name. Yeah, it is. It is. Cause he talks back and forth anyways. Um, yeah, he's just a really good, uh, artist like from the beginning and it kind of, yeah, it, it, The the artist for Yu Gi Oh! was not the best. He grew, he grows a lot. Don't get me wrong. Um, Roni Kenshin just has fantastic artwork and the stories that it tells are top notch. And I'm still not too far, I'm only like four or five, six volumes in, something like that. Hmm. Um, but I'm really digging it. I'm ready to, or uh, like, I'm gonna see it through. I'm finally gonna see it through to the end because I never finished it when I was back Uh, in high school. This is Samurai X, but. I googled this while you were talking. Uh, the the OVA, yes, was Samurai okay. X. Yes, so that that's kind of the backstory behind the main character. Okay. Yeah. Um. There was a there was an anime for Rurouni Kenshin as well. Um. So it's a, it's it's been near to my heart just because I really enjoyed the manga when I was younger, but I just never finished it, and I've heard that it even ends really well. I just never went back to it. So. Definitely a recommend there. Um, but like I said, I still I still have so much more to do. Um, in anticipation for this episode, I went ahead and started listening to The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. You know, I finished um Atlas Shrugged. Um, I'm only about halfway into the Fountainhead. It's long. <laughs> so um I, I didn't finish that out, but the it, it has obviously it has similar themes to Atlas Shrugged. Um I feel like it has harder edges than Atlas Shrugged, if that makes sense. Like the stuff that kind of was immediately like, "Mm, don't like this so much about these characters in Atlas Shrugged is more prevalent so far in the Fountainhead. And so you kind of see the, yeah, the kind of the downsides of objectivism and what Rand is is kind of putting forward there. Uh, But I want to finish it. Uh, just didn't in time for this episode. And then finally, <laughs> if you're not already, um, uh, you know, done based on my non-recommendation so far, um, I started reading another book just today. Uh, that, you know, I talked about on the last episode, how I've been listening to some Jordan Peterson and he kind of made a flippant comment in one of the things that I listened to where he was talking about, like basically, um, the evil of man, or there's basically like there's evil in the world. And he kind of made an offhand comment like, if you don't believe that, um, read a book called Pans Ram. Um, so I got it from the library. There's this book just because everyone else is showing books if you're on, you know, if you're the Patreon. What the heck? Uh, member, wait, wait, hold that up that. for a second again. Okay. What? The, they, that's. Yeah, Pans Ram. So, this guy, his name is Carl Panzram. uh he was born at the end of the what nineteenth century, so like eighteen nineties into the nineteen hundreds um and he is an absolute monster of a man like this is his memoir when he was on death row, basically, um talking about how he uh hated the human race and wanted. Us it wanted everyone dead, and so he like made it in his mission in life to kill and destroy and rape as much as possible. Um, and yeah, this is basically his memoir, and it, sort of also edited by uh someone he befriended while he was in prison, one of the prison guards, basically. Um, who has the honor of like Panzer? actually saying like you're the one person in the world that I would not actually want to kill. Um, so it it basically it is it is a horrible story about a monster of a man that I'm interested in just to basically remind myself of the depravity of man, as if we needed reminding. But still, uh, curiosity got the best of me. I would say um, there are some outside of Jordan Peterson, Jocko Willink, if you know who he is. He has an episode of his podcast where he takes a lot of excerpts from the book and talks about them, and then it, because his whole thing is about like uh, discipline and uh, taking personal responsibility, and so he, in light of that, he looks at a lot of the things that Panzram, that Carl Pansram did, and how he blames society for how he is, and and goes that way. So if you're interested. I would recommend searching out that episode if you just search Jocko Willink Pan's Ram, it'll pop up. It's like an hour and a half where he kind of talks about mm. it and uses different excer- excerpts. Um, it is definitely uh, rated M. You know, there's there's it's not like graphic detail, but it is enough detail to definitely gross you out. So um, if you need a reminder of the depravity of man, there's Pan's Ram for you. I would not recommend.
1: That's what I've been reading! Yay! <laughs> That's uh, I'm I'm so, actually I'm looking up that that episode because it's
0: you you get a good overview of the book from that episode. I'm I'm like eight or nine chapters in. There's
1: on well, Jocko's uh, Jocko's always like an interesting listen. Like I don't yeah, I don't know. I was tweeting back and forth with uh, Paul Maxwell, you know, nice uh, a little bit today and. I definitely, like just me personally, I definitely, I'm sort of recognizing, especially in light of everything, that I probably need to be a lot more disciplined about a lot of things. But there is, Mm -hmm. I think, sort of, I look at some of almost like the hyper productivity of guys like Jocko and even Paul Maxwell to a certain extent. And I'm like, I'm not sure that those are the healthiest rhythms. And I have like a tremendous amount of respect for those guys, like straight up. Uh, and there's a lot mm-hmm. that I think I can learn and is useful and should be heated from them. At the same time, like I'm just kind of like, I mean, Jocko's like SEAL Team Six, like you know, Super BA, like you know, for, waking up at four thirty in the morning and
0: exercise. Joe like, Joe Rogan know, lifting for like two hours. Joe Rogan
1: like. is like, listen, he's like, I'd never roll with Jocko because Jocko is just <laughs> built to kill people, <laughs> and it's like. Yeah. Yeah. so it's like yeah i mean in a lot of ways you have to like respect somebody who's that driven and disciplined and self-governed but at the same time i do have to wonder like if there isn't maybe some like toxic productivity for lack of a better term And mm-hmm.
0: some mm-hmm. of that mentality then,
1: uh, then i would highly recommend
0: the episode because his co-host kind of like pushes back against well they have this whole conversation of like well, some of this was definitely caused by, like, his experiences within the prison system, and, like, he was actually abused quite a bit when he was younger, and so, like, that caused some of this, but then, but then, yeah, there's back and forth to that point as pertains to this man, but, um, but he's also very stark in saying, like, pansram, I mean, in the book, like, I have no conscience, um, and I am just trying to seek like destruction everywhere that I go, like to the point that's
1: just like inhuman. Well, it, it, well, I, I say that as if humanity was. I, th- I think like in, even know. in that attempt to sort of say, like, to sort of say, I have no conscience, what he's actually admitting <laughs> is, I have a conscience. It's just so seared that like I hate yeah. everything. Like, yeah. and that it's like when people say things like that, I'm just like, well, yeah I don't know. there's yeah. it's like it's almost like you're trying to convince yourself rather than yeah. anybody else, mm-hmm. like that kind of yeah. stuff. but hmm, that sounds interesting, josh Anyways. you've You've given me something yeah. to like listen to and probably <laughs> lose sleep over, so <laughs>
0: yes, definitely yeah i would I would say again, high warning, not general recommend at all. Just like if you're interested, do some Google searching. You can find some stuff. I had never heard of this guy, um, but again, it was just kind of an offhand comment. And and Peterson talks about multiple. I mean, he he references Panzeram. He also references you know like um, uh, Victor Frankel in the um, which we we'll call it "Man's Search for Meaning." How he went through Nazi prison camps, things like that. So so like Peterson has thought through some very dark places. You know, he he's definitely a somewhat of a post-modernist in that, like, we have seen, you know, our world, it, it's post-World War II, post-9-11, like, we're no longer in the modernist ideal of, like, science will produce utopia kind of a thing. Like, no, actually, people are super messed up and do really horrible things to each other <laughs> if left alone, like, Lord of the Fri- Flies kind of stuff. Um, so when he when he mentioned this, I was interested and did a little searching and I was like oh I can get it at the library why not um but yeah you you may lose some sleep over it it's pretty freaky stuff uh the the fact that it's real is the is kind of the scariest part but mm. anyways mm-hmm. with that said uh if you don't want that on your brain we do have a little something else for you and that would be uh some information from some of our friends at the Playwell network <sighs>
3: Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. No. No. That's not true. That's impossible. This is such an incredible moment. A memory that will bring joy to the hearts of millions of people for generations. Wait. Wait, what? What? The sort of thing they talk about on the Retro Station podcast. The stories, movies, music, moments that brought us together as a people that we enjoyed with friends. You laugh about this with your friends? My life has been a lie! Exactly. This is wonderful. You're crazy! No, everyone agrees this is a truly... Classic moment. Oh, oh. Wait, wait a minute. Did you kill mom then? Well, I, I, I'd rather not talk about that. Oh, I, I bet they talk about that on the Retro Station, huh? What a classic moment that was when mom died. Actually, most people thought that was a bit of a letdown. They made memes making fun of it. They, they made memes of mom? The Retro Station Podcast. Celebrating all those things that made us nerds.
1: So Bioshock, right? That's, you know, Bioshocktober, Bioshock. It's kind of a spoopy game. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it was not as, as I did not spoop myself nearly as, as much as like, maybe like mm-hmm. when we played Resident Evil, especially when I did mm-hmm. the Resident Evil 7 in the VR headset, that was super <laughs> spoopy. Um yeah. There were a couple. There were a couple spoopy areas, and and the overall but... vibe and mm-hmm. and sort of like environment is very yeah unsettling, claustrophobic, yeah. Yeah. dark. Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. like it's very grim. It's very sort of like just unsettling, dark. It's yeah. It's it's just uh. It, it's it's very. It's not nearly as oppressive as like Silent Hill Two, right? But mm-hmm. it does sort of. Vibe on that a little bit, and I I think you have to sort of like the environment in that is very kind of it's a little oppressive, a little sort of yes, you know the where I feel like where Silent Hill Two was
0: more like death and dead things. This is more uneasiness of like something's not right here and something's going to happen, and kind of waiting for something to happen because it's just uneasy. I'm waiting for
1: the Kraken to eat me. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something. But let's let's talk um just real quick before we go too much further down this road. I've got some, you know, general information that might be helpful mm-hmm. to the listener. Might be interesting. I don't know. Maybe not. What 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 is a bioshock? What is shock? a bioshock? Well, a Bioshock, um, it was it's a so it's this is an interesting game because it's generally considered mm-hmm. a first person shooter. Um but it's not just a first-person shooter. There are some RPG elements, ish, mm-hmm. like a little RPG like stuff. Uh, it's also got some very strong immersive sim ties. Um, a lot of like a lot of people who like immersive sims, uh, a lot of Dishonored, uh, Prey, uh, the D- Deus Ex games, those like Thief, yeah Thief yes. stuff like that. Uh, this sort of vibes on that i'm using that word i but it, it it feels very much like an immersive sim in a lot of ways uh, but it was initially released in uh, august uh august 21st 2007 was the initial release in north america it was published by 2k and it was developed by 2k boston and 2k australia uh, which 2k boston later became irrational games that's uh was ken levine's uh. flagship studio and now he's ghost story games I think is what we um Mm -hmm. Ken Levine is sort of like he's a bit of an auteur auteur I don't know you know that word he's he's sort of like he's up there with like Hideo Kojima um just as like he's a name in gaming that like if his hands are Mm -hmm. on a project you're like and actually we were talking about it too like this game makes me want to go and finish Bioshock Infinite and it actually has me really curious as to what his next next project is um mm-hmm. so just as far as uh so those are like the the real like the the, the hard facts like this is like the bio mm-hmm. or whatever uh but one of the things i just sort of real quick want to hear uh hit on real here uh oh geez talk pretty nate please someday we do this uh <laughs> <laughs> someday nate talk pretty uh but some of the themes, and obviously it's got ties to objectivism, a la Atlas Shrugged, mm-hmm. Ayn Rand, the Fountainhead, whatever. Uh, but there's also uh, total utilitarianism, which is an interesting philosophical outlook. Yeah. Uh, I can break that down a little bit if you guys want me to. And then, you know, American exceptionalism. These are some sort of like themes that the, like, are explored in the game.
0: Yeah. And without going like full bore into the spoilers as well, there's also the, I'd say there's a theme, even if personally I don't think it was necessarily played out very well. Um, one of the themes is uh, determinism mm-hmm. as well of like your the free will versus determinism. Uh,
1: well, I think, I mean, you know, and obviously before we go any further, this is, this will be spoiler heavy. This game is 13 years old at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Like if you're listening to this, there's a fairly strong chance you've already played the game. Unless you're like our beloved Joshua here and you've been living under a rock for, you know, 13 Mm -hmm. years. Uh, No, I. I've tried to come out
0: of the rock so many times, but like Patrick
1: Starr, I just. We we look at him and every time he pokes his head out, we say, would you kindly go back under the rock? And because he's <laughs> he's not a man, he is a slave. Uh, <laughs>
0: he, he, I'm, I'm,
1: uh, he obeys. He, he obeys. Uh,
0: <laughs> I obey. Is, uh, but this year, 2020, I chose to he get chose out to under be that a man, <laughs> and he, he decided. But <clears throat> I think we actually made that decision last year when we played Dead Space. So technically, I decided in 2019.
1: It that last we well, year, in this, 2019, but... did we? Uh, I thought in 2019 we played Silent Hill too. Oh, you're right. Dead Space was two years ago. Oh my goodness. He's crazy. He's movie. losing, like so the old. mental programming is breaking down. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, there it goes. So yeah, this game touches, there's a lot of, uh, I think this game tackles a lot of like literary themes. This this game, if mm-hmm. if Shadow of Colossus is sort of like a minimalist art film sort of experience, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I love that very much, on so many levels, Bioshock is much more like a piece of literature. It is you know wordy, narrative heavy, and it sort of plays around a lot like it sort of like digs its fingers deep into the themes and plays with these and sort of drags it drags the player along and sort of in exploring these themes and uh you know again with the this sort of utilitarianism and the exceptionalism and and the objectivism and the determinism and it sort of asks all these really weighty questions and uh i i i mean you know just my initial sort of visit back into this i was just i've played the game several times before and i told you guys like i mm-hmm. was still sort of surprised at how like easily this game sort of just like hooked me and i was just like nope i'm in just i mean and, and again i sat down and i played it yeah. over the course of like two days um but you know that's because i was i was channeling a little bit of like uh wesley the hench and dad you know like you know, some you some go. some time lord hijinks right there but um
2: <laughs> what what do you guys think Josh, I'm really eager to hear what you okay. say first because okay. this is your first time getting into it. So you you, you go ahead. Okay.
0: Um, I will, I will say so. I'm going to kind of put the cart before the horse here. Is that after the um, after I beat the game, going through some of the director's commentary helped me to understand it a lot more. And part of that, is, um, so you're talking about themes, right? Um, I think that uh, well, this is a video game. Okay, And so while it touches on a lot of these themes, I felt like it was never married to any of them and really filled them out to – and part of this might just be that I just delved deep into something like Bloodborne, which went whole hog into the cosmic horror Lovecraftian thing – I felt like this was more from a story standpoint it was more of a scattershot of these different ideas so so it touched on these different things without seeing them through to the end because and and this is where the the director's commentary comes in because it was most it was purely or excuse me it was primarily focused on the gameplay and the mechanics and that's what hooked me like that's I it plays so well, um, and it does give you a number of different options on how you want to play it. Um, it's, it definitely has this creepy atmosphere that it uh, leans into that, that pulls you in. You want to explore this area, but you're also kind of afraid to because you don't know what's going to show up. Um, you know, you see these huge boss monster looking things in the big daddies and half of you wants to start attacking and the other half is like, no, it's going to destroy me um, because they're always like super overpowered and you have to, you know, unload on them if you want to beat them. But they also give some really good loot if you destroy them. So um, mechanically, it's it's a real, I, I was, I think it plays just as well in twenty twenty as it i assume it did you know back when it first came out so fantastic game mechanically i feel like because that was primary which is not a bad thing but because that was put first um that some of the themes were more and this is too strong of a term but it's coming to my mind right now were more shoehorned in in that like we're going to ask this question And let you think about it, but it's not going to play through the entire narrative. So something like I mentioned determinism earlier, it touches on determinism without really filling that through, except for the fact that there are two different endings based on how you do one thing in the game. But then the rest of the game, where it asks, you know, are you actually in control of everything? Well, no, it's a video game, and it's a narrative video game, and, like, obviously, you have to go down one single path. Like, you could literally do that in any video game. You could do that with the original Mario Brothers. Like, are you a slave because you go rescue the princess? Like, no, that's just what you do. Now, I'm not saying it's not interesting to pose that question, um, because even in the context, it is. Like, it was cool that they posed that. I just felt like there was an opportunity to make a game out of that that they didn't take. It was just like a number of different ideas that were thrown into the kettle of this original idea of big daddies and little sisters and these different mechanics. That plays so well. So don't hear me th- that I'm, I'm negative on this game. I really enjoyed it, don't get me wrong. But I do think some of the more narrative things and I probably came in with too high of expectations, like literally reading Ayn Rand before going into it, um, were more, it was a video game. So you can't go deep into it like a freaking 50-hour novel hour, you know, because I do audiobooks. So those are kind of my my initial kind of thoughts. What what do you
2: think about that? Yeah. Feel free to push back. Yeah, no, I'm just, I guess I'll just sort of, speak to sort of how i experienced it this is sort of a weird going back to the game i've i played it originally in 2007 i played it probably again in i don't know 2011 or 12 and then i nice. uh on this playthrough i had gotten the bioshock collection about a year ago a little over a year ago and started playing it then so i got about halfway through the game i got through arcadia and i got about to sander cohen and stopped for whatever reason Oof. and picked it back Oof. up at sander cohen's section. Uh, here recently like in the past couple of weeks for this episode. So uh, my playthrough was a little disjointed obviously, but I mean I still remember the game well, but what was striking me was um all the characters and how the, the what's so fascinating to me about Rapture is you arrive and it's all happened. It's all mm, done. Mm-hmm. Uh you're you're late to the party, literally, uh, to the New yeah. Year's Eve party. And um, so you 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 start to learn the characters. Obviously, Andrew Ryan, um, Atlas, the guy that's kind of directing you around. You know who, like I said, we're talking about supporters. You know winds up being Frank Fontaine, and then um, people like uh, Bridget Tenenbaum, and then like the the, the medical guy J, J. S Steinman, uh, Peach Wilkins, uh, all these different people that you come across um, that all have their self-interests in mind and their th- angles that they're trying to, um, jockey for. And it's just so fascinating hearing, you know, kind of the backstory, um, of, of what, how Rapture fell. And then you talk about kind of maybe some of the, um, themes jumping around a little bit, I think kind of as we, you go through and you kind of, you spend time with Steinman, you spend time with Peach Wilkins, you spend time with Sander Cohen, and you kind of get, it sort of like a a hodgepodge of all their kind of different uh, views and stuff. So that that may come to a little bit of why you feel like it jumped around a little bit, Josh. But anyway, um, that was the most interesting part to me, was just kind of re-engaging with those characters and how they're all so well fleshed out, I think. Um mm-hmm. and and you know, you it, it is it is the game I think that popularized the audio log. Um, you know, you pick up an audio log and it that tells the the story, the the like the the back uh, you know, uh, plot or whatever of the mm-hmm. story. That yeah. is the game that kind of, for better or for worse, popularized that. Um and it does it so well. That's I was noting it's like, mm-hmm. man, this voice acting mm-hmm. holds up really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um the writing holds yeah. the dialogue holds up. Um, so, so I was really just enjoying kind of soaking in this world again, the characters thinking about all the backstabbing and all the angles and everything that everyone was trying to do. Um, all while the mechanics and everything like you're in the gameplay, like you're talking about, Josh still, still holds up. Um, I think there wasn't too many games doing the two hand, like I've got my powers on one hand and my gun on the other yeah. kind of, I don't know if there are many games, if any doing that at the time. I know there was like Halo two that dual wield, but not like this. You know, mm-hmm. um, so so I was just sort of, you know, thinking back to kind of you know how the game has aged in thirteen years and how there is many aspects aspects of it that really held up well, and um, but in particular all the characters and kind of what they all brought to the story, and 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 to to speak a little bit more into the horror October aspect of it, these characters make it up. that's what's horrific mm-hmm. about Bioshock One. Yeah, is. JS Steinman the the mm-hmm. the the plastic surgeon that's <laughs> yeah you know that's the sort of horrific stuff here so so yeah i enjoyed get it kind of getting back to know the characters again yeah
0: yeah and actually th- th- something popped into my head is that so uh you know i said i've started this game probably 5 times at this point um and so a little bit of the magic was lost but man the opening scene to this game is one of the best uh probably that I've ever played mm-hmm. you know just like the opening wandering around in the water and you know we've talked about on this podcast how both Nate and I have a thing with water sure. and video games Same. um but just that initial like just kind of shock and like what is going on just that the it feels so um the the bottom is pulled out from under you you don't know what you're doing you just go to the single one thing that you can see everything's on fire um this is your hope is this, uh, you know, this thing jutting out of the ocean and then you go down into Rapture through the bathysphere and you're seeing all these different uh, um, structures, you know, the the lights and the um, marquees and things like that. Like it is such a good opening. And then you get in there and you see a splicer and man, I mean, it's it's so well done. The opening of this game is fantastic
2: yeah it it has it has great mystery to it when you go into the lighthouse mm-hmm. and you go down the stairs and you're checking it out, you're like, "What is this place yeah um and and the the mystery adds to the kind of the scary nature of it, especially early on mm-hmm. in your first encounter with the big daddy, say for example, you know oh. these types of things <laughs> um the scary yes. stuff for sure yeah. Yeah, the 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 deep
0: sound, the rumble of the big daddies just kind of mm-hmm. moaning along with the with the heavy footsteps yeah. every time they're anywhere close.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the sound design mm-hmm. in so this good. like the like mm-hmm. the weird whale sound yes. kind of thing what that the big yeah. daddies do. Yeah, sound design is is pretty I mean this is just this is very much what I would call like a top shelf game. And I don't know that it is mm-hmm. aged yeah. Super well, I think overall it's still, I mean, it's, it's still like that a plus. like, well, instead of being like the a plus, maybe that it was in 2007, it's sort of into the a, a minus range because, and again, it's, I think it suffers from the same, just sort of looking at like the aging process. Like Shadow of the is like people have already learned the lessons that Bioshock taught as far as design and narrative and gameplay and everything else. And so a lot of what was really fresh and sort of hadn't been seen before, period, like, well, now it's kind of old hat because everybody's already sort of like, you know, right got it in and and taken pieces there was one thing so you guys were talking about some of the different characters i i you have to include just the underwater city of rapture as a bit of a character um percent okay, and just almost as much as like you would count the mansion or the the police station or you know the in resident evil 2 like you know it's interesting that you said like the horrific part is is that these character the the scary part is like these people's stories and just the way that like their greed or their selfishness or their self-righteousness or what or their pride or whatever just sort of like these are taken to sort of like monstrous extremes but I think it's and I don't think Ken Levine was really intending to do this um I think in a way like he he says that you know, he never meant Bioshock as a critique of objectivism. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, I think that's arguable, uh, you know, but what's really interesting is that I think in a lot of ways, he sort of paints a, gives us not necessarily proofs, but illustrations of total depravity, of what it would mean to maybe remove some of the gracious restraint from an individual that the lord a lot of times like you know we talk about prevenient prevailing grace and like the lord in a lot of ways like you know total depravity doesn't mean that people are as wicked as they possibly could be but what it means is that right. at their very core we are we are at at our very core we are sort of bent like that iniquity means to to grow like bent broken it's like there's there's a certain you know context and connotation that's like it's a tree that grows crooked and Mm. what you're seeing is that crookedness sort of unrestrained and it's just really interesting Mm -hmm. i think the one that stuck out to me was uh, the one that you know you and i were sort of talking about um pre-recording micah is sander cohen And just like, Josh, you and I have had like the conversation about like, you know, the sacred art, you know, the artist unconstrained and not like having to sort of answer to anybody. And like this, like, and yes, it's a perversion of that. It's like sort of definitely a, like a a kind of a twisted caricature, but I'm like, this is that, like, that is that ideal, like taken to its like Mm -hmm. cruelest. And it's because everybody sort of becomes... In as much as like they are useful for his work or whatever, you know, that's, right. and it's, it's just like, the, that is like the self-righteous artist whose art is sacred and it must, everything must be sacrificed to the art. And it's like, oh man, <laughs> like that is just, that was, that was chilling. I mean, like besides, the, you know, it just is sort of very grim and grotesque, but it's like, it, it was, it was very chilling in a lot of ways. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he he was super creepy.
1: Yeah, I I do feel
0: like Steinman and uh Cohen stick out as as I look back on the characters, those two in particular stuck out for me of of just really creepy. I mean, just visually and and you kind of like get inside their head a little bit. Steinman cuz he's the first one, you know, and you just yeah. see you like I I remember the scenes where there's actually a woman on the operating table and he just starts slamming these uh you know scalpels into her uh you see her body like move up a little bit just because she's being stabbed and ugh, that
1: yeah just the that idea. moment he's like she won't stop moving and he like freaks out yeah. and then there's like he's yeah. like and that one was too fat and that one was too tall and that like and it's like and he's like and, yeah. and it shows you these like he's just butchered these women and right. it's like yeah, that was a that was a pretty chilling moment. That that actually, I was like, oh, I I mean, I kind of remembered, but at the same time, I was like, oh, that's that's grim. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, it hits pretty hard. Yeah, and then Cohen with like, yeah, these people were my or were they understudies or something? Like the, he was close to these people. No, just go kill them and take their picture. Like you do my dirty work. You murder them, take the picture for me, and it'll be a masterpiece. And it's just like oh i feel i feel bad just doing this but like this is what i have to do to to play this video game but you feel wrong like there's no reason why you should kill these people except because this guy is crazy Mm
2: -hmm. yeah it was it was kind of nice i didn't realize this until this playthrough but i um after killing Sander Cohen, I, I took a picture of his body with the camera and I got a trophy oh. for it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't, even you know, the thing. I was like, oh. Speaking of Sander Cohen, yeah. so
1: wow. like I'm a, I am killed him too. Um, but you can actually, because if you kill him, you get like the, the key to his muse thing or whatever. And then, you, mm-hmm. but there's actually, when you go to the apartment buildings, if you let him live, and just sort of walk away from that experience, you will run into him again. Like he'll actually come down some stairs, and at that point in time, you can kill him and take the muse key, and he unlocks, like he give you get access to a secret area in the apartment buildings with with a mm. uh, plasmid.
2: Access yeah. to a special yeah, plasmid. Like I've done. I feel like I did that one time in the past, but yeah, I'd forgotten about that. You're right. But but yeah, he's he's a piece Forget- of work.
0: <laughs> I was about to say, forget that, man. No, as soon as I saw him, <laughs> guns
2: blazing. Yeah, but, but uh, I want to talk a little bit more about Rapture because I, yeah. I, I think I I can't remember if it was uh, in the Bro Hang beforehand. I, I think Rapture is uh, like top five best game settings. Yes period. Can you think of a moment mm. while playing the game where you didn't feel exactly in that place? You know, think of all the leaks coming in through the tunnels and just right. the, the crumbles <laughs> and there's a body over there and there's these vents and the bots coming around and the weep, weep, weep. you know, just everything mm-hmm. in the world was so well done. All the sound effects, the vending machines. Um, and and it, all of it, you know, tells that like, what happened here? What happened in this mm-hmm. In this mm-hmm. section of rapture what what you know what why did it go so south um and it yeah. gives you these great context clues it's just a fantastic setting that was so well realized I, I can't like it's just the level of mystery mystery is one of my favorite things about fiction period the, the level mm-hmm. of mystery that it had caked all over it was was fantastic um the, the kind of the lighting and, and the moments that you get to kind of look out into like a, a window or some glass, or whatever, and just see kind of the ocean, and you know the, you know, the uh, sharks go by or whatever. Um, yeah, d- just, yeah just it definitely f- had a claustrophobic feel. I
0: sorry, I know I am kind of off good. here, but I'd say another thing that you didn't mention that stuck out to me was all the bottles of alcohol everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you see how people had kind of like gone into despair just because there were certain areas there were ton- like there was never just a single bottle of wine you know there was like wine and whiskey and then another type of wine over here and the, like it felt like these people were absolutely despairing of everything the the people that had been left mm-hmm. so yeah the environmental storytelling is is really good especially man for 2007 that's that's fantastic
1: yeah i well i mean i think there's a part of me that that art deco sort of like i don't know there there's something about where Ra- rapture just like there's a part of me that almost wishes like you were able to see the game, like to see the city before everything went down. Like, mm. it wouldn't be a very interesting game in a lot of ways, but like, I think it would just be there's a part of me that it would just be cool to sort of see the underwater city, like, and just see what it was like and just walk around in that environment mm. and almost to see Rapture in all of its glory
2: prior to, yeah. you know. The the fall. I, I think that's terminal. in one of the DLCs, Nate. I think that's in the Burial at Sea DLC. Oh, in uh, Bioshock Infinite. For Infinite, mm-hmm. I think, which I have not played, but I believe you can get that exact thing. I think. Dang. So well, but anyway, cool. re- but so is that before the in- introduction of Adam? Um, no, Adam, Adam I, I believe Adam was, was always around So the way I understand It was Adam um, And Josh Since you did the good ending I don't know if you Necessarily picked up on this But the little sisters uh, Tenenbaum mm-hmm. Created them with these Like sea slugs Or whatever Right And so yeah, the I sea slugs that the Were uh, That's where Adam Comes from it, it, It's right. in those And they sort of Discover them When they're they're Building rapture In the ocean um, So they find out That it's kind of Harvest the Adam Through all those things And they're they're on it from the get-go i think yeah or they're you know learning how to use plasmids and like oh you can make plasmids with this stuff and you can do this and do that and yeah i think they're slowly learning it from the inception of rapture they're using adam in one way shape or form. yeah it's it's okay it's introduced very early on
1: in into rapture's history like i I remember listening to that audio log and being like oh that's like, cause the guy, basically a guy, you know, he had like a bum hand, he got bit by this sea slug and then he goes to the doctor and it's like two, three days later, his hand that he hadn't had functioning that hadn't, hadn't worked for years is like, he's able to like, he's regained the use of yeah. his hand. And, you know, I think it's just interesting that, you know, they sort of like, they have this like wonder Dr- I, not necessarily even a drug, but like just with plasmids mm-hmm. and Adam and everything. It's like, you have this sort of like cure all and what do they do? Like they waste it on vanity and just like, you know, ways to like hurt each other. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's interesting. Well, so
0: so my understanding is that the Adam, there was the side effect basically made you go crazy. And so that's why so many people were so off is because like, oh yeah, we have this resource, Adam, down here. And like, so everyone is, sorry, I was thinking of the word imbibing, but it's because I played, you know, all that Bloodborne <laughs> lore stuff. But everyone is taking part in Adam. I mean, it's it's kind of yeah, similar, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Scourge of the Beast, Adam, <laughs> turning into a splicer. Um, so th- that was my understanding is that like Adam actually eventually did that. And that's kind of my... Not we don't have to go down this road just yet unless you want to. But that's kind of my critique of like, if, if this really is addressing something like objectivism, well, then you introduce this black swan event to where people go crazy. Well, no, of course, like your idealistic world isn't going to work because people are literally going crazy. Um, so like, no, it's not like no government would work under a, in an insane asylum if that makes sense. So, um uh, uh, anyways, that to say that the, the sorry, the uh, we were talking about rapture being this utopia if you could actually travel through that. I was asking if Adam had been introduced, but it was pre kind of like the the insanity. Well, that that I wonder if
1: the that. insanity, you know, and without I don't know if they ever spell it out, but it's like, I wonder if the insanity comes from like basically abusing Adam and plasmids. And it's like, yeah, the, maybe. it's sort of like any, like almost like the sort of like the absence of moderation. Actually, you know, it's sort of almost a, the perils of excess kind of an illustration yeah. of the perils of excess. I, I, I don't know. That's, I don't think there's anything to ever sort of explain exactly why. Um, like they, they show, Oh, you know, they talk about like the plasma ghosts and all that other stuff, but I'm not necessarily Mm -hmm. sure they ever, if you ever get like an audio log that says like, you know, where somebody's like, no, it's actually like these people have been using so much that it's, it's breaking down. Like it's inducing psychosis or anything like that. I think it's just sort of like, you have to read between the lines a little bit
2: there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, I mean, Ryan didn't ever use Adam. and He's, like, one of the most sane and kind of with it. One, yeah, he's paranoid, mm-hmm. but that's about it, you know? Like, he, yeah. he's not losing his marbles, per se. And I don't think he's he's up on Adam. He's got – but he's got sort
1: of a different
2: – i I'd say there's a
1: different brand of insanity, like the paranoia or even just sort of the egomania that, you know, he's he sort of suffers from. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Well,
0: my understanding, my, my take on Ryan, and I could be wrong on this, is that he, like his paranoia stemmed from the fact that he didn't want Rapture to be tied to, um, to the, the overworld in any form. And so there was the smuggling that was going on. And so that's when he, he brought the hammer yes. down. It's like, if you were smuggling, like you are the lowest. Creature, like you don't deserve to be here, kind of a thing. Because basically, and and again, you know, I kind of ruined myself by reading Atlas Shrugged before, uh, before playing this game. Is that this is sort of how Atlas Shrugged ends? In that, like, you know, you have this this genius man bringing over all these other like highly respected people into this utopia and and creating this utopia and and it's cut off from the rest of the, I mean that's literally what the atlas shrugged means like the the title of the book it's it's the guy holding up the world decides to give up on the world and forge his own path kind of a thing um and and so that's what rapture kind of is and I totally mm-hmm. get that homage and that's a cool homage um but So, so with with Ryan kind of going after people, I didn't feel he was so much paranoid as he was like, you are you are transgressing. Is that the right word? Against like the one thing that you should not do while you're down here is to contact the over. I think
1: even in like we need to be. I think even in a way though that sort of. That is a bit of a, maybe not even intentional, but that is a bit of a critique against objectivism and the sort of like the radical libertarianism that objectivism sort of embraces, mm-hmm. because it's like you know sort of do do what you will, do no harm, sort of thing, and it's mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. It's like what's funny is that things really go off the rail when I think they went off the rails, but when. Ryan starts sort of, he's like, he wants to reject sort of government and all of the, like he wants to like, he's like, they they talk about the great chain and that's sort of like, and Mm -hmm. the the only rule is like, we must be productive and everybody contributes. And, you know, you know, you, 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 you know, you're pulled along by the great chain, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, but then like in order to preserve his dream, like there's sort of like this control that he's like, no, it has to be the way that I want it to be. And then it sort of that's when it it goes like because he's so he he recognizes that in order for him to have his utopia, he actually has to sort of enforce his will on everybody else. But he his his worldview, his his philosophical underpinnings don't allow for that. And so he just sort of like there, there's sort of a conflict in there where he just like, you know, do you know what, I, do you know what I'm saying with that? Where he's just like, S- by, I, by, I just... by sort of imposing and enforcing his will and saying there will be no smuggling, you will do this this way. It's like he is actually sort of breaking his own sort of tenet.
2: Yeah, at, at that point though, and you're 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 not wrong Nate, but at that point it it had all gone to crap. The, I think the the utopia was gone at that point. Like so basically to, to fill in, you know, listeners who may not know that this the sort of timeline goes was as rapture was, you know, going along, you know, like any society there is a divide between the elites and the the sort of the haves and the have-nots. And so um, there's this character, this, this ex-gangster, Frank Fontaine, who basically sort of, uh, there's some other things about him, but anyway, he sort of uh, has this uprising, you know, gets the, the lower class to sort of uprising and in a New Year's Eve party. This ball, they basically have this attack, this huge battle. Frank Fontaine supposedly dies. And once Ryan kind of saw that and realized it realized kind of all that was there. That's when he got crazy paranoid. And that's when at at that point in time, all the elites Steinman, you know, peach Wilkins, you know, Julie Langford, any of those people, (laughs) they all went into hiding because now it was just the big daddies and splicers running around crazy. Well, um,
1: I think it's interesting though, too. Like, so we do need to sort of talk about like the, the issues of poverty because there's sort of this promise that like, you know, are you not entitled to the sweat of your own brow? And so what they do is like, you know, you have all these people sort of like who these high minded intellectuals and professionals and the elites, the upper tier stuff. And there's sort of like this, well, all these other people will, will fix, you know, will be the janitors and the plumbers and the whatever. And they actually, it's all built on the exploitation of the laborer and that's, Mm. and, and sort of Fontaine in one of his audio logs, even sort of like basically says They gave this to me, like I came down here and they gave me the weapon by sort of abusing these people and exploiting them, and you know, and and it's it's just an interesting sort of you know commentary and fragility. I think like, and again, Ken Levine says that this isn't sort of a critique and of objectivism, and I don't think he means it that way, but I think through the very sort of like progression of the story of the game he's he's mm-hmm. demonstrating yeah. like the flaws of this that it's like because objectivism mm-hmm. strips people of their humanity and i mean we were talking about this a little bit before i started recording or we started recording and we were even talking about like sort of like the the consumer's bend is almost like the way that we practice economics in in the states and the, and and our particular brand of capitalism is very Darwinist in its orientation in the sense that it is, you know, the the weak are devoured by the strong. It is exploit, 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 exploit. And it's like with little to no regard for actually, actually the, the human element of that transaction. Like whether it's the the cashier or the laborer or whatever. And part of the problem that we're actually experiencing in our world today is due to the fact that there are, you know, these sort of titans of industry like Jeff Bezos and, you know, all of these guys basically build billions upon the backs of people that they could be paying much better, but won't. Because, you know, for for a a multitude of reasons. And it's not to say like I'm not trying to make any sort of moral commentary there. Yeah. Like, but what I'm saying is, like, there, there, there's sort of an interesting sort of dynamic there, and it's like there is sort of this tendency to exploit, you know, the working man or woman, and even within his, like, yeah, I think even you know before that though, like, part of the system was, I would say, even before the the revolt and the the big you know, the New Year's party and everything else, like, the problem was there. It was, it was, it was festering. It was waiting because you had these elites who were exploiting the labor of the lower class, so to speak. And then, you know, Fontaine comes in and he's just a match for the powder keg. Mm -hmm. He sees it for what it is. And he's like, oh, I can work with this.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. I I don't know if I'm reading too much into that, but I just, uh, it's, it's just interesting. Like the social commentary that this game does have. In 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 so many ways, or does pres- yeah. potentially present?
2: Well, one thing I thought of was you were talking was um, kind of just the progression of Ryan, and kind of you know when you go from the speech and it, when you're going down to the bathosphere in the opening you know segment that Andrew Ryan, that confident. Let me tell you my ideals. Here we go. Let's be able to rapture Andrew Ryan to the one that you get that's talking to you while you're playing the game. You, you, I mean, there's there's a great part I love when he's like, "Who sent you? Was it the CIA dogs? Like, who are you?" And he he don't know who you are. You know that you your Fontaine's ace in the hole is who you are. Um, and I just love like just uh, I, I love sort of seeing how he goes from this. You know, stoic, whatever, and to this, like, absolutely crazy paranoid. He's out to get you. You're, you're, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously culminating to what you get yeah, at the end. Yeah, definitely. I um, think that's a I, good
0: I just segue like seeing that progression kind of, the big of Ryan. Twist of the game, if we don't have anything else, if you don't mind kind of going there, is that, um, is that would you kindly segment as well as the, uh, what I, what I termed the golf scene in our Discord, uh, because I was trying not to give anything away.
1: Yeah, yeah. So,
0: so, mm-hmm.
2: so, so, Josh. First, as someone who's never played, um, did you know about? So would I will you kindly say, I'm not to calling
0: one out, but Nate did say something about uh, just that phrase. Would you kindly? So, I noticed that Atlas was using it up to that point.
1: That's all. Like, I didn't know that it had. Okay, yeah, that's and that's all. I mm-hmm. I wanted you to notice that because it's very easy yeah. to sort of skip past all of that. And they do yeah. like a little oh, bit of yeah. a montage to in really you. like yeah. say like, Oh no, this is going on the whole time. But yeah. I, I do yeah. think it's, part like it's, of it's like, one of those like things I mean, that, like, I don't know, maybe it's, it's so I'm subtle. American
0: and he's got this Irish accent and he just keeps using this phrase like, okay, that's, you know, that's just his thing, you know, because it's not, it's not yep. an imposition, mm-hmm. right? He's, yeah. it's not a um, aggressive phrase. It's just, Hey, would you kindly go and, you know, open this door for me? Like, he sounds like he's asking like he sounds like he's trying to be polite, you know it doesn't it doesn't have the sinister overtone until uh th- but that's kind mm-hmm. of what I picked up on is like, okay, there's something here that I don't know i didn't I didn't know to the extent of what it was going to be, but like he he keeps using this, and I could like there's this is gonna mean something later is all that it was, and it was because okay. I was tipped off it wasn't
2: necessarily purely uh of my own intuition yeah well i want to so i know now it's probably uh one of if not the most kind of overused kind of whatever mm-hmm. kind of everyone knows it sort of spoiler i feel like it's one of them in games and people kind of it's people are just jaded by it but back in 2007 mm-hmm. just, pff, mind-blowing yeah. as far as like what did they just do yeah. Ken Levine you what what are you doing you know this this kind of stuff um, well, and it's you know and not that it was uh, unheard of in in, in you know uh, film or, or book or anything but just in this way um, the, the way it was delivered the way that you know all, again Bioshock was doing so many things that games weren't doing at a mm-hmm. time all the art on the wall like just blood painting like that was don't people weren't doing that people weren't doing the audio logs people weren't doing the you know all this stuff that bioshock popularized and um you combine all that again like i said with the fantastic voice acting of pretty much every character and um and you you i think you drop down you're going into andrew ryan's office you drop down through a hatch and boom you're right there staring at this would you kindly wall of info It's just like, it's, it's seminal. It's, it's, um, uh, it's just up there Mm -hmm. as one of the all time great video game moments, period. Uh, you know, I just, it just is, um, yeah, it's easy to be jaded by it now. It's easy to kind of sort of laugh at it as a, as a somewhat maybe easy, uh, twist or, or cheap twist or whatever. But, um, for the time it was groundbreaking. It was trend setting, and, um, I think for the most part still holds up. dude. Well, I was just going to say, I think, yeah, I don't
1: necessarily know that it's aged terribly well because it has just sort of become so well known. Um, but what I will say is I think in the way that it offered sort of a, an interesting sort of meta narrative twist where it is in a in a way it is commentary on the way that we play games and like Ken Levine I think has even gone on record and saying like you know it was sort of meant to just sort of like he was thinking about like game design when and when this like all crops like all of a sudden it rocks you back on your feet a little bit too because it's like when you look at it and it's like, there is this like subtle commentary on just game design and the way that we, because it's like, you know, you don't think about the fact that like in a game, especially in a narrative heavy game, you're really just being told the story and they're just sort of dragging you along. It's yeah. it's a very sort of passive thing in many ways. It's like, and all of a sudden it, it like, it sort of takes that and it throws it in your face and says, you, you know, it, it's it, it's a very, interesting like they interesting is not the right word but it was just a total like yeah it like my head just kind of went i remember the first time i was like okay what mm-hmm. <laughs> like this kind of like and then i mean it's just like at that point in time it's it's just nobody had ever done anything like that and it's yeah it is sort of like i mean i Ken Levine was sort of already known for System Shock and his work on System Shock, but I think Bioshock was really where he sort of hit that, you know, auteur sort of like that was like every everybody was like, this guy is a mad scientist, like watch what he does, Mm -hmm. and um, so like I said, I think it's easy yeah to be sort of a little jaded and sort of you know it's like okay because. And and again, it, you can't completely remove nostalgia from it. Like I think for Mike and I both, it's like you know we're we're still like yo the first time we saw this head explode, you know, kind of moment. Um, and for you though, it's like you're experiencing this where for the past thirteen years, people have already taken those lessons and those tricks and this sort of the those narrative hooks, and they've already like utilize that and sometimes to better extent Mm -hmm. like but okay you
0: you use the word nostalgia i would actually say it's more what micah was saying it's more context than it is nostalgia is what you're talking about is like the context of putting forth this kind of a twist in a game um, was much more impactful in in 2007 as opposed to just like oh we have these rose-colored glasses because of where i was at the time like no, that, that's like where gaming as a whole was. So, and I'm not even, I hope I didn't come off as saying like it was a bad twist. Like, no, it was still- No, no, no. It was still impactful. No, like no, it yeah. was still a really we'll good scene. It's that I don't feel like it was played out in the gameplay. For instance, um, so so at that point, it's like, oh, you're being controlled this entire time. The rest of the game plays out the same way as before you knew that except now you're taking your your cues from Tenenbaum instead of from Atlas.
1: Like Yeah, it does sort of it does sort of fall flat right, a little bit. Right, and, and that's that. what
0: I'm saying is like I felt like it didn't go all the way. Like it it, it brought up that question and it's a good question and it, and like it was it was impactful. Like I'm not trying to take away from that. I'm just saying I didn't feel like it It really went like that was, that was not the key theme that brings this game together. That was like, oh, let's throw this question in there along with the rest of the game. And again, like I see it in, in with the game as a whole is like their primary objective was to make a really cool game, which they did, which they knocked out of the park. Like again, 2020, this game still plays great.
1: I think too. There's there's something that I, I I was reading an article and sort of prepping for this, and they talk about, uh, and it was it was something that sort of I can't. It was Polygon or Kotaku or somebody was yeah yeah one of those. But they were talking about how one of the failures of Bioshock was in really giving the sort of the decision to harvest or to redeem the little sister, Mm -hmm. you know, the the heart, like there was supposed to be a lot more weight and consequence with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, you know, sort of through, you know, quality testing and everything else and, and studio feedback, like, you know, the publisher was like, oh, this is a little too extreme. Mm -hmm.
2: Like, I remember it being controversial. Yeah.
1: Like people were like in, in the, the, the QA sort of stuff, they were like, it, it's almost too hard. And so yeah, I, I remember like the, when you look at the straight economics of it, it's like, it doesn't really matter. Whereas like I, Levine's original intent was to have that be like a lot more impactful yeah. um, and have that sort of be like, if you save the sister, like the, the bottom line was you just got less Adam mm-hmm. and it, and, and I, and I don't know there to me that that would have been more meaningful, you yeah. know?
0: Yeah.
2: Well, there there is a, a pretty common complaint, Josh, that, you know, everything that happens after the golf scene with Andrew Ryan is just very poorly handled, which I think there's a hmm. great case for, particularly the final mm-hmm. boss battle. Almost everyone universe is like, why do we need this? We didn't. This game doesn't need a boss fight at the end. It's not the type of game that it is. Uh, yeah, just sort of the I think that all the stuff with the little sisters and stuff, I think, felt a little when you talk about the binary nature of the choices i think there maybe there's gonna be some more better payoff there Mm -hmm. people were expecting potentially yeah um and just kind of the build up with ryan and how he was treating atlas and his family quote unquote Mm -hmm. all this stuff as you were going through the beginning and middle of the game it was such a great Mm -hmm. build up to when you finally got to ryan and and got to that that good uh uh soft Mm -hmm. ending um. It it felt almost like oh. Well, what are we doing now? Okay. I got all right. We're okay. Fontaine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And you're sort of like it's sort of like a reset almost. It's like okay. Yeah. I got to re. You know. I got to figure out why I hate this guy. Well, now. it's I knew almost why I hated Ryan. It almost sort of
1: feels like, it, like too. Like the the sort of like they woke up and it was all a dream. You know, kind of like it's just kind of like oh, okay. What? Like
0: it, it was almost like um, if. Uh, hopefully this doesn't this doesn't bring up any like bad memories it was almost like the matrix where um you see that the world is actually in a much more destitute place than it is because i did actually like going through and seeing where the little sisters like all the ones that i had saved were living in that one area and there's not much to do there but it's just like the fact that they're scrounging and like making a living there i was like ah that's pretty cool
2: and Josh, whenever, like I did the, I, uh-huh. I harvested every little sister, did the bad ending. And so when you get there, they're, they're all making comments like that's the oh, bad man stay shoot. away from him and stuff like oh, that. Oh man. Oh, that's so, crazy. Yeah.
0: Cause yeah. They, they, yeah. They constantly talked about, oh, it's an angel, uh, kind of a thing while I was there. He's our mm-hmm. friend. Yeah. Yeah. He's oh man. Nice. See, that's, that's crazy. But yeah, I guess you can't see that unless you play the game multiple time m- multiple times, excuse me um i i felt like the stuff after that when you were going after fontaine i felt like the difficulty ramped up because there were so many more like all the splicers seemed to have more health like it took a lot more uh ammo to well and there
1: were down. like a lot more upgrades too mm-hmm. like i don't i don't know if but there was like all of a sudden like the leadheads started it's the
2: leadheads. they man. got like electrical Dude, are yes. sponges yeah uh,
1: mm-hmm. like or no was it Whatever it was, but like some of them started like emitting electricity mm-hmm. like the, and it just like the, uh, the Houdini's yes. started doing like ice mm-hmm. instead of fire. Well, in addition to fire. And it's just like, they sort like the, the big daddies and the rosies got a lot nastier. Mm-hmm. Um, kept their and it was just sort of like yeah, long range. It was. Which which is fine, but it does sort of feel like a little tacked on almost.
0: Okay. okay. I, you know. I, I agree with the final boss. I, I thought narratively it made sense of just like a guy going crazy. Like, no, I'm not going to give this up. So you just inject yourself with tons of Adam. Like I thought narratively that made sense, but I agree like he was easy. You know, it wasn't somewhat anticlimactic yeah, yeah. of just, it, it, it was anticlimactic in the way that like, mario game bosses usually are where it's like you know hit the guy three times and then do that three times and he's dead
2: kind of a thing what was your favorite like go-to plasma oh man i mean
0: i feel like it's boring but i use the electrical a lot um i upgraded Mm -hmm. the ice Mm -hmm. pretty early on uh, but then you wouldn't get you wouldn't be able to uh get anything from the bodies if you shattered them with ice so uh, I I didn't use that very much. So. Yeah, good point. Uh, I'm trying to think what else was useful. I, I, the dummy thing was pretty cool too. Um, I use that against the the big daddies. Um, but honestly, I good was call, much yeah. more uh, uh, weapons focused than I was. I I used way more of my weapons than I did my my plasmids. Uh, sure yeah maybe same. that's just my play style but i felt like just being aggressive especially when you have things like once i learned uh, about the electric buck on the shotgun like that was killer especially against big daddies like yep. you just shot yep. them and then you know shoot a couple grenades and then you know shock them and
1: yeah you could you could stun yep. lock them until yeah. they were dead yep Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know, I I actually wanted to ask that that same question, mm-hmm. so I'm glad you did. Um I I definitely was like I upgraded the the electric all the way, mm-hmm. but I was all about hacking turrets and cameras yeah. and like so I hacked everything. <laughs> like
2: anything <laughs> I could hack. If the if the difficulty meter was all the way up on the hack Oof. though and I didn't have an auto hack, I would probably not try. See,
1: I kept but one of the things is like anytime I could upgrade the the hack aids, I would do that. Gotcha. So the liquid oh, yeah. ran real slow okay. and okay. it was like I had like extra chances and all that. Um but yeah, I hacked like I was constantly like sometimes like I would actually go and trip the alarm. Before I would hack something, so a bunch of the sentry bots, and sometimes I'd just be rolling through Rapture with like half a dozen what? little like yes. like little helicopter sentry guys,
2: and it's just like you know, I don't know. It was that to me, it was like there there is a section of the game too where you have to uh, turn this big yes. like I think mm-hmm. like a ship, or and there's like uh, guys coming at you, and it gives you opportunity to, you know, Mm -hmm. hack some turrets or set some traps. And man, I had those bolt wires. I had like 15 bolt wires on each side, just like ready to go for people to run into. And so I basically didn't have to fire my weapon at all. They just kept running into those
1: wires. Yeah, for me, it was the electricity and telekinesis was the other one. Because telekinesis is not only like viably offensive, it's also like, hey, like there's like some there's a hypo over there or there's a first aid kit or and it's like, whoop, just bring it to me, give me and that. give me that. And, mm-hmm. and then like, you could pick up like, it's like, Hey, you just, you know, so proximity mines, the electro trip wires, uh, like it was like, basically I, I played it. I was like, as far as gunplay goes, like, yes, I definitely like, if I had to take on a big daddy, it was electric, electric buck. And you you know stun lock shock 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 mm-hmm. reload shock 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 and then you know like you said swip, you know switch over like lob a few grenades and you're done yeah um mm-hmm. but yeah i that i think and that's the two is like all those different playstyles are extremely viable yeah it kind of makes me like going back to sort of what we were talking about like i almost wish they would have really pressed into the like that the harvesting versus redemption stuff mm-hmm. because I mean, it got to the point where I was just spending Adam because I had it. Yeah. Whereas like yeah. I I didn't use a ton of stuff. Yeah. It's like I did go like crazy with the camera.
2: Same.
1: I I photographed it and and hmm. I sort of actually want to go back and I think I'm going to probably try to at least grab a few more trophies <laughs> on this Take game. Take another
0: 2 days.
4: Yeah,
1: and grab a bunch yeah. of trophies. <laughs> Maybe do a harvest <laughs> run. Um but yeah, it's this was almost like a very much a gateway drug for me, you know, and mm-hmm. the lose for like the immersive sim genre, where it was like there are all these because it is sort of an immersive sim light in the thing that mm-hmm. it's like there are all these like multiple approaches to combat and just doing things. So like I said, like one of my favorite things is like I'd go get a bunch of those little like sentry bots, I'd zap, zap them all, go. And I, got, I had gotten to the point where I could just auto-hack them. So I'd zap them, run up, like I just hit square and it'd pop up and it'd fire up and then I'd run up to the next one, zap. And so it's like, you know, next thing I've got four or five of these little things buzzing and yeah, chirping and worrying. super good. And it's like, you know, later on they're not nearly as viable. Mm-hmm. But early on in the game, it's, it's, it's terribly good fun to just like, <laughs> you don't have to do anything. Yeah. It's like if somebody gets too close, Whack. You know, smack yeah. them with the a yeah. wrench. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe throw a lightning bolt at them and smack them with a wrench. Yeah. Yeah. Micah, so. what were your go-to plasmids?
2: Uh the same. I love the bolt, mm-hmm. the the electrical. Outside of that, I would go with fire. Okay. Um incinerate. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. just because sometimes you'd you'd come across like a nice chunk that you could just like yeah. you know uh torch it and get some goodies yes. oh, or whatever yeah. or like like it's a whole new doorway with like a whole bunch of goodies or a safe or something like that mm-hmm. back there. Um so I would I would keep the fire on the ready but yeah um telekinesis just for the stuff like you were saying Nate to grab goodies uh from far away. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah the bolts and I once I got through about uh, halfway through the game and kind of got stronger and stuff I, it was bolt and wrench. I yeah. just saved my ammo for Big Daddies, basically. Like I bolt-wrenched every splicer, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I <laughs> uh, or just wrenched yeah, them. I did find myself going back to the wrench after you get more like upgrades to it, um, and then I started yeah. freezing people with it. And again, I kind of like had to wait until they were they came back because I wanted to yeah leave their corpse, which sounds so terrible uh-huh. uh, to say out loud, yeah. but I mean that's just part of it. Um, I will also say this is somewhat of a side note, but as I was looking into after I played the game, you know, after I finished it and everything and just looking into a few more things, I never noticed it while I was playing the game, but the whole interplay or the, the, the or I guess wordplay of, uh, you have Adam and you have Eve. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, yep. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> notice that. Like, you know, you're getting Eve hypos the entire game and you're getting Adam sure. meeting big daddies, but it's like, oh. Adam and Eve, a new creation. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I see what you're doing, Ken Levine. Now, now that I've beaten your game,
1: <laughs> so closing thoughts on Bioshock, Josh. Uh, since you were sort of like the noob, the noob. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, th- I've I've said it a few times already. Is that I th- I think in playing it in 2020, it's st- it has aged uh, very well. Like it's it's still. Mm-hmm. Just as fun, I mean, as I would imagine it would be. I loved playing it. I think the mechanics are absolutely solid, and I think that comes from uh, just putting the game design first. So I can't fault it for that. The, the, yeah, I mean, like I said, there, I had some like slight little gripes with with the story itself, but I completely agree with what she said, Micah. Like the storytelling is fantastic. The atmosphere. Uh, the way that it 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 tells the story through uh the environment itself, how you are in media res and you're kind of figuring out what's going on was so well done I mean even something like you mentioned, something as simple as the voice acting still holds up really well um so it's I think it's a great game. I would definitely recommend it um and I'm really glad I finally get to knock this one off ye old backlog,
2: yeah, yeah. I would just say to kind of echo in a second that um if you're if you've gotten to this point in the podcast, you either have played the game or you just seriously don't <laughs> care about the 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 plot. So I would say I'm talking to the person who has not played it and who just knows who's who knows all this spoilery stuff. Just go back and play it, man. It's it is so good. It's it's just if nothing else, just it's kind of that seminal benchmark in gaming. That you mm-hmm. can kind of go back and point to and kind of have a frame of reference for um, it. There's so much good stuff about it outside of just the stuff that can be spoiled. Mm-hmm. Um, so 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 definitely, it's just. It's just one of the very best games mm-hmm. ever made, period. It, it's, it, it will be in any top 100 list, of all greatest of all time, any top 100 list, almost guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, yeah, it, it's just one of those Hallmark games. So even if you're, you're that guy who is, you've, you're, you're tired of hearing would you kindly or whatever, and you just know all this stuff, but you haven't played it, just still go, go do yourself a favor and pick it back up and, and give yeah. it a taste. And,
0: and like we've mentioned, it's not a long game, so it's not going to take no. you too long even if you dislike it for some reason, I don't know why you, why you would.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just think it's, yeah. To anybody who hasn't, who's listening to this and hasn't played it, you know, obviously sort of, we want you to be responsible. Like do this is not for, this is not for a, a small children uh, in any way, shape or form. Right. This is, this yeah. is very Most much language. a, a, a more mature experience uh, just as far as the themes that it tackles but honestly if you're looking for some like a, a heavyweight sort of experience in the sense that this is it's it 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 packs a lot of punch and it's got a lot of depth and it maybe it's not nearly as nuanced as we would like or whatever it's still mechanically it's an outstanding game mm-hmm. uh and i think like the storytelling is is like i said it's top notch this is what you know i would refer to as a top shelf game it's this, in my opinion, is a must play it's it's yeah. and it's it's like it's like Micah said, this is definitely belongs on any worthwhile notable top 100 list like this is this is a game that anybody who's interested in sort of examining gaming in any sort of capacity you you can't sort of avoid it. It does so many things well, so well, and it just it is sort of a. In a lot of ways, a gold standard for design, sound, like you know, visuals, sound design, yeah. level design, mechanics, you, you know, the world building. It's it's really it's kind of wild how far it it does sort of push the genre along, yeah. or just video games in general along, just in sort of establishing some you know another high water mark. Definitely. experience
0: definitely i do have one more question just because we didn't meant we didn't talk about it at all do you guys understand the title at all why is why is it called bioshock is that is there like no reference well it's a
2: it's a take on system shock right. it's a it's a spiritual successor to that so i guess that's why it has the shock and and bio well system
1: shock was all about like i think dealing. it's been a long time since i played it but it was all about dealing with like an an ai system Mm -hmm. whereas the element here is like the thing that's sort of like throwing off is like the the rewiring of the biological interfaces i think you know it's like that and it just sounds cool
0: it does no yeah it totally does yeah, I, I was just like after after beating it, it, it the thought popped in my head like that was never mentioned at all throughout the game, but
2: yeah, I, I like what Nate said. I'll, I'll
0: go with that. <laughs> <laughs> it was Ken Levine. It was him. He did it. All right. Same. Well, that I I think that's a good amount of thoughts on Bioshock for one evening. Um, if you guys have any thoughts for us, there's tons of ways that you can get a hold. Of us here at the Backlog Breakdown on Twitter, our handle is at BB Downcast. You can email us at the Backlog Breakdown at gmail.com. And we also have the hashtag Backlog Book Club on Facebook, as well as a Discord server. We'd love you to, for you to join. Just hit us up and we can get you a link in there. Um, if you do want to reach out to Nate or I personally on any form of social media, there's tons out there. I generally go by Broccolope, and Nate goes by Nate. Underscore McKeever, his full name, um, but only when I'm in trouble. <laughs> um, Micah, do you want to th- plug anything that uh, you're into, or how people can get a hold of you if they want some more of your thoughts on yeah. Bioshock?
2: Yeah, um, at Doug's Vest mm-hmm. on Twitter. Um, I'm in the uh, the Facebook group. I hang out with the Reform Gamers guys mm-hmm. a lot. I've been. Um, Actually, both uh, Wes and I have been contributing to the website over at uh, thereformgamers.com, dot com. So check that out if you're so inclined. Yes. I've been um, sort of covering news and doing some reviews for them, and Wes has been pounding out these great <laughs> retrospectives. Yeah, um, so so some really great content over there at thereformgamers dot com. But yeah, I, um, I I post about video games on Twitter, and uh, I'm up in I'm up in the group. So yeah, I'm around. Awesome. Um, if and he's did, got he's got excellent taste in video games mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. like it's yeah. Thank you. it's it's mostly because he and i like a lot of the same things so <laughs> <laughs> well, i
0: also enjoy your uh your excitement for the coming uh console generation i know i have not been super big on it typically and in the, in the podcast in general and my my views on it but it's cool to see someone who is really excited and like your views
2: on that yeah, always excited about about new hardware. That's that's where right where I like to yeah. be is um, kind of in that that zeitgeist to, to to talk about that sort of stuff. So yeah, very much looking forward to next month. Yeah, yeah, it's almost here. That's crazy. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you guys dig what we do um, and you want to support us, you can always rate and review us on whatever podcast catcher that you're using. Uh, hopefully, you're subscribed, but share it with your friends. You know, all those friends who've never played Bioshock before.
1: Uh, or who kidding. haven't heard our podcast before. <laughs> like, I mean, kill two birds with one stone. Introduce mm-hmm. them to two great things. There you go. Or Which, at least one great thing and one pretty okay
0: slash good thing. Yeah, um, we're not begging here. But, you know, would you kindly share the podcast with your friends? That, oh. That'd be nice. Uh, and then we also do have a Patreon. Think of it as just like an online tip jar if you want to. To uh, you know, throw a buck or two in there, and uh, you will get some some decent perks. If I do say so myself, a video well, version of the podcast. Yeah, as they well can as, they uh, can
1: watch the the, the the video and early access and uncut access. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want and see someday when I when I do actually get it done. Like I've I was doodling a little bit, and I've got some swag ideas. So. Mm. You know love it i Very i liked nice. those initial doodles
0: those were nice uh and then finally we are also if you, you know you heard the commercial we are a part of the Playwell network uh a network of podcasts dedicated to it, enjoying entertainment better uh so check all those podcasts out the playwellnetwork.com
5: get pulled
1: <laughs> and the final word is going to go to none other than andrew
5: ryan I am Andrew Ryan, and I'm here to ask you a question. Is a man not entitled to the sweat of his brow? No, says the man in Washington, it belongs to the poor. No, says the man in the Vatican, it belongs to God. No, says the man in Moscow, it belongs to everyone. I rejected those answers. Instead. I chose something different. I chose the impossible. I chose... Rapture. A city where the artist would not fear the censor, where the scientist would not be bound by petty morality, where the great would not be constrained by the small. And with the sweat of your brow, Rapture can become your city as well.